Welcome to another edition of the Brawl Alliance UK podcast, episode 120, Eat, Pray, Mock. My name's Matthew Turner, alongside co-hosts Anthony Fitzpatrick, Tom Wilkinson and Luke G to be joining us shortly. How are you doing, boys? Doing good? Very well, very well. Two and a half weeks, we're almost there. Almost there, and only one more main podcast after this. So, yeah, it's yeah. getting heavy. It's, it's 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 going it's going very quickly today. I must admit, it's oh crazy. Yeah, especially these 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 mock drafts and everything. They're, they're just it's just got to the point where we want it to happen now, don't we? We we've spent this too much time pontificating and arguing that you know it's it's driving us all to drink. We're all drinking this evening. This is what these mock drafts have driven us to. Yep, yep. There we go. They're, uh, <laughs> Oh. Just, well, just just quickly before we start, while, while we do have it up here, I'll, uh, I don't know if he's listening or not, but one of our founding five, Ryan, it's his birthday today, Ryan Farden, our, uh, our Landoner, who we have on with us, it's his birthday. So if you're listening to us, Ryan, then this one is for you. We'll have a little drink for you here. <laughs> Cheers, Ryan. Um, oh, Luke is in the building. All right. Just want to give a shout out to everyone who is watching live along with us. Got a few more people in the YouTube than normal before we start, especially Lions Talk with Micro Mike by Chat Sports. Mike uh, has pointed out in the YouTube that I met him in Ford Field when I went over there for Thanksgiving and I hug like a bear, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> six God. four of idiot does uh, hug like a bear. You're absolutely right. But yeah, great to meet you, man. And thank you for joining us as well here. Gino's in the house, JC Superstar, then you've got a few people in the Twitch chat as well. You've got Derek Barak and Ashley Sogan too. We are going through our full first round mock drafts, and I haven't cleared this with the boys beforehand, but it's what we did last year, and I think it's, it's perfectly fine. So we're probably going to be meeting up at some point this summer for a few drinks and to say hi. Um, and last time, last time, why are you in the... Hang on, Luke's struggling to join. Um, Last time out, I think it was the person who did worse had to buy a round of drinks, but I think it actually works best if it's the person who predicts the most correct picks um, has a drink bought for them by everyone else who joins. I think that everyone else who's in there. So if, if, if Tom wins, then I have to buy him a drink, Ant has to buy him a drink, Ryan has to buy him a drink. I think that, that works quite nicely. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I love it. I also love the fact that I feel like it's going to be a four or five way tie with one, uh, because let's be honest, I don't think the records mock draft wise has been fantastic. So, Bigger Res is in the house as well. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, just and, we ask- have our regular bet again this year, Matt. S- slightly different. So instead of the lose, what I oh, got last, yeah. oh, this is what yeah. I got last year as a result. I won. Three points to three points to two or something last year. So I got this lovely bottle of Barbuda and rum off that, which I've only had one shot off when we won our first Lions, when the Lions won their first game this year. I'm saving it for special occasions, but doesn't mean I can't win again and you can't send me another one. So so instead of buying a bottle of spirit, I was saying in our meetup, the winner gets bought a drink by everyone else. That's fine. I'll, I'll take right. that. 
All right, we have got something rising on this. Hopefully, um, Luke joins us uh, soon. I know that. Oh, he is actually in the building. It's just that he hasn't got his um his microphone on. So that's cool. Um, Luke, if you can listen, then if you're listening, then just join. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got you, man. We got you, man. Thank you for joining us. I'm making sure it's coming through loud and clear, man. I'm uh, obviously I'm out here still, you know, picking up my 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 son, but you know, hey, I'm almost to the crib, so I'll be at your computer in a minute. Let's talk some football. Yes, man. Right, we're gonna go through some news, and then when we get there, if we're still going through our draft picks, we'll just catch you up on a live draft as we go. Is you good with that? I'm cool with that. That's cool with me. All right. Okay. So, we've got a few questions coming in, and if you are live and want to ask us any questions, we'll try and get them in at the bottom of the show, so do get them in there. Just a bit of housekeeping to start off with. Don't forget to join our Discord channel, some really, really good chat in there recently. I'll send out a link after this show, but there are tweets out there which also have a link which should work. College Football Podcast is ongoing at How to Go Last Week, along with a special guest. I don't know who that was. Um, yeah, you popped on for a little bit last week, didn't you? Yeah, mm. going on well. We, we are due on again this Wednesday, although it may sound stupid, but I've no idea what we're doing yet because we've done <laughs> that much research on players and that at this point in time that I don't know what's left we can do. So I think me and Ryan are just going to come on and chat draft questions mm. for a little bit. We'll see where it takes us. And if it doesn't take us very long, then so be it. But we'll be there if you want to ask anything about the draft or college, or you can ask it tonight. I'm here at the minute, so... Mm. Go for it. And just to let you guys know, I don't, I don't know whether Ant has actually finished off his plans yet, but we will be live during the draft. I believe, Ant, that we're going to be live throughout. Is that your plan at the moment? Yeah, we'll be we'll be live all three nights. All three days, probably all the way through. So if you want to have some company in this year's draft, do come and join us for that. It's going to be fantastic. Last year's was so good. I think we had 25 teams represented as they came on as guests for the show, especially when they came on to talk about their own picks. Or when they picked at the time, I think that the Houston Texans guy came on as they were picking into day three, and that was really cool. Um, Turn up for what podcast? He was really, really great. Um, So I know that, Ant, you've been getting on that with all those guests and getting them ready. There will also be catch-up shows, I think, in between the days, probably. So... We're going to sort out exactly when that's all happening. And then if you go to YouTube, you'll be able to see what our schedule is when we've got it up there for upcoming live streams. So do keep your eyes out for that. But we'll let you know as well next week when we have a bit more of an idea. Don't forget our fans as well at Lions Nation Unite. They are the guys that we're partnered with. It's your one-stop shop for Lions content. It's, It's Facebook for Lions. So go and download that. And we're also a Twitch affiliate. If you are so minded and have a free Amazon Prime sub, you can swing our way. We much, much appreciate that. Don't don't bother paying for it. I don't want to ask you to do that. Like I said before, we're not worth it. But free one, go for that. Love it. Uh, and our interviews recently with Eric Schlitt and Ryan Matthews from Pride of Detroit are really, really, really worth your time. Go into our history and go and watch those. Right, boys, just kick off with a little bit of news. There's not a lot to go through. This week, but the cornerback Mark Gilbert officially has signed his exclusive rights free agency tender, so he's back throughout 2022. Dan Campbell's hinted that Will Harris might be moving to cornerback full time, or I mean, that's the headline, but that's not really true. As he calls him a cafety, which I just I hate, I hate it so much. Anyway, um, we'll finish this off with saying he thinks that the number two overall pick in the draft will be a 
day one starter. And he also revealed that he expects Levi Onwuzurike to take a step in year two and that he's been working in Detroit for the majority of the offseason rather than going home, which seems really, really encouraging. What are you picking out from that bit of news, boys? What, what's your feelings on everything going on there? I assume that Will Harris is bringing out the majority of emotions. Mm, yeah, um, I, I heard him say that he was moving him to the bench. At least that's what my brain was trying to tell me is the thing he said. So I'm kind of hoping it was that. And I was just mishearing the rest of it. I mean, he's not a starter. He really isn't. But I don't know. We've been wrong. They're professional football coaches. They must know that there's a player in them somewhere and they think they can unlock it. But I don't know. I, I really don't get it. Um, with Levi, anyhow, I'm glad he's down. I'm glad he's working out. He, he's got a really big year next year. It's good to see the attitudes there. He's staying in Detroit trying to get healthy and fit. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him play because, you know, when he's fully fit and on top of his game, he's going to be he's going to be a real big piece of that defensive line going forward. And, and we need him, quite frankly. We really, really need him to get healthy and on fire. So, you know, pray that he has a really good offseason and lights it up at the start of next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Harris, he's, he's a little bit of a punching bag for Lions fans, right? The thing is, we know exactly what he is as a safety. We've seen enough tape and we haven't seen really the improvement there. When we've seen other guys take big steps, especially with his coaching staff. So I don't mind him moving to corner because, like I say, I think just trotting out the, the same lineup at safety is not really what I'm here for. And we've seen how that show ends. So I don't think he's going to be starting for us at corner, but why not? Why not give him new responsibilities, something to really dig into and see if he can take a step forward? Yeah. Um, what do you think about the thing about the day one starter comment? Do you think that he's just saying that he wants the guy to... I, I mean, I don't even know which way I want to swing this. Does it take out Malik Willis is the question that everyone's asking. Do you think it does? No. Because, I mean, you can draft him and you just cook off. Then he's a day one starter. You, you've you mentioned this yourself. You've said we could trade him, we could cut him. Obviously, it doesn't look like they're going to, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility. So I don't think it takes it out entirely of the I equation. Don't. Yeah, I don't know why you build it into your answers that you were going to clearly say you weren't going to do something around the draft. I just, I don't know why you do that. What else are you meant to say? We're going to take someone who might warm the bench for a year. Like, it's, I, I just think it's it's coach speak. It's this time of the draft. You don't want to give too much away, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just wouldn't read anything into it. I don't think we're going to take Malik Willis, but I, I don't think that this tells us we're not going to take him. I mean, yeah. I think it's weird, though, because he could have said less than that, right? He could have said, he could have said, who knows? You know, I don't know. Like, we could, we could not, but he chose to say very definitely they're going to play. So even if it is coach speak, it's saying more than he needs to. And I know that's Dan Campbell's thing, but it's not nothing, right? It's what we wanted to hear, though. We want a day one starter in this team. Well, the vast majority of us want a day one starter. The top five guys have got to be day one starters, to be fair. So, I, you know... It, People just love to jump on him and that I wouldn't I wouldn't take it into consideration. There is a there is a scenario where Malik Willis is a day one starter. He's not ruled it out. You know, like you say they, they, they could cook off and be done with him if they decide that's the route they want to go. You just don't know. I mean, at this point, it's just 
pointless argument about it. we've had must have been about eight or nine players who've been seriously mocked to us at two now they're just running out of stuff to talk about so everything's now getting analyzed far more than it needs to be speaking of over analysis the only thing i can really think of on this is if you were you don't necessarily want to play up you could be taking a quarterback and risk people jumping you at one if you're trying to trade back right so um there's a chance that they're doing it for trade reasons, but I think it's a little bit of a throwaway throw comment, to be honest. I mean, it's nothing new, is it? Like when, when Jeff had his information dumped last week when he said we weren't taking a linebacker and we're not taking quarterbacks, he said it as well. So it's not like no one hasn't said it. Sorry, Lou. No, I was just saying I don't I don't agree. I, I don't think it's just coach talk. I don't think it's just him saying things. And you brought up the point. They did this last year where he flat out said what he meant. I don't think he know how to like create smoke screens. I don't think he understands the level uh, of energy that it takes for you to create a smoke screen. I think he, I think he opened his mouth, and Brad Holmes and Dorsey went to him and said, "Hey, we're trying to create buzz here, and you talking too much. You ain't helping our cause, man. I'm gonna need you to chill out." And I think he just figured, okay, let me try to try to backpack because he came back later trying to claim certain things, but. Everything he said, he's 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 being honest about, and it makes sense. We do need a day one starter. So to me, I don't think that that means Malik Willis is out because you can't have every person, owner, Rod Wood, whatever his position is, uh, 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 Brad Holmes, and then Dan Campbell all give glowing endorsements for Jerry Goff and then draft a quarterback. It just don't make sense. And I just I think that he's he was being honest, a little too damn honest when he said. Yeah, you know, I'm looking for a day one starter, but I think he's telling the truth. I think he's looking at somebody who can come in and help this team win this year. And I don't think that that was like no coach talk or anything. I, I'm absolutely there with that. I think it does take Malik Willis off the table. And unless the plan is if you take him, you're trading golf, which is what I've advocated for all along. I'm okay with that. But you need to find a trade partner. And I kind of think it's a bit too late for that to maximize value on the trade. So I hope that. They don't because I think it shows poor planning more than anything. But I think that's a viable route and you have your day one starter. But it's far more likely that Willis is off the table for me. And I don't think he was actually ever on the table. But we never wanted to just confirm that because if someone wants to take him, we're open for business. So, well, just, just, that's, just that's where I, I so I agree. I don't think he's on the table. If he was, you wouldn't want people knowing he was right. You just wouldn't. Because you don't want people jumping you. And that's why I think, uh, and again, I think, and you touched on it then in terms of overanalyzing, we've now kind of overanalyzed it to the max already. But yeah, I just, I, I don't see why you put stuff out to the media around your, your potential picks in general. Just, just just know, Matt, that if Dan's listening to us on Twitch now, you've, you've made him cry. So, you know, by uh, saying there's no Malik. I've not done this, Dan. No, for once, this is no to do with me. This is Matt ruining your dreams here so i, I said know. i was perfectly open to trading off and, tr and drafting malik so you want to get your facts straight mate um <laughs> hashtag um, fake news yeah right um there's actually a question that i do want to get to we were going to do it later but so with the move of um harris potentially to cornerback or let's say that he's so far down the depth chart he's irrelevant at this point does this mean 
we must take two safeties in the draft? Or does it make it very likely that we have to take two safeties in this draft, given where that room is? I've said for a long time we're going to double dip at safety. We're going to take one high, and then we're going to take one. I would say 177 is perfect for the second safety, because you've got several reasonably good options there of guys who are high upside are going to develop pretty quick into your system. So I can definitely see us double dipping. Maybe even a triple dip right at the end, depending on who's available. But I think safety is probably the one that has got the highest percentage of a double dip. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think, well, I guess, I think there's a good chance we take two, especially given the number of picks we have. Um, but if you're taking anything from 177 onwards, you're not expecting them to start, right? So if we're talking about starter reps, I think you're taking a safety that late really to be a special times developmental guy. Um, so what I would expect is if the draft falls the way that we would like, there's a good chance we take two. Um, if we only take one, it's not a disaster because then we're going to be looking to get someone in after the draft. The safety market in general, there's guys out there. And similar thing happened last year, actually, in as we get into kind of early stages of training camp, I could see us picking um, picking guys up off the market. Well, we bought Marlow in, didn't we, in season? So yeah. yeah. There's, 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 there's options there. I would expect I would expect one of the top three picks to be one, but I think we're going to take development. So it's not like we've even got anyone in the pipelines. I know you could say Juju Hughes, and that is there, but there's nothing. The odds there are long. You've got to have a development guy in the system to bring through as well. I think that one funky Lions fan has just come up with my favourite thing, which is, what if New Orleans wants to trade up this year by giving us a first in return for Goff? They're not trading up at all. They want our quarterback. I love it. Please make that true. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, so he's saying trade Goff to trade move Goff. up? So, so no, they'll no, take tra Goff? Tra trade Goff for 15 overall. 16. 16, 16 and 19. Oh, no, not, not 16 and 19, no, no. just one. No, no. <laughs> one no, it would be one of those. Yeah. Who who are we bringing in? Who, well, who, who's, who's playing a quarterback then? Well, so for me, it would either be, and I hate saying it, but it would be fun as shit, Willis at two, or say Ritter at 16, or something like that. Or yeah, But you, you throw in a rookie who's not ready straight into the fire, and you could do more damage than good with them. But you None could argue that for large parts of last season, Goff was a veteran who wasn't ready. None of these quarterbacks are good enough to start this year, and you risk irreparably damaging them by throwing them in far too early. That's If you're taking one this year, you're sitting them behind Goff. Plain and simple. Yeah, you know. but but to do it at two, okay. So let, let's let's just follow the logic on this. If you do it at two, right? If you trade golf and you do it at two, obviously he got to start. Fine, no big deal. And I'm not worried about him being damaged or not because if I'm taking you second overall, you should not be damaged. You should be able to perform and play. So let's say they they do do this and they take him at two. If you mess around and do this and then you suck and now you back picking high again, which before somebody said it can't happen, go and talk to me about the Cardinals. Now what do you do? I you don't take a guy second <laughs> overall and now you're sitting there again picking one, two, or three because he's probably not going to do too much with this. You Everything they've done has been for Jared Goff. So it's like if you make that trade, who who are you? Who? No. Yeah, 
I'm with Luke. There's there's no one there you're doing it for. And don't forget, we've got so much draft capital invested in our own line. You know, we're we're wasting it if we do. If we we're just putting a rando in there to have a go. One of the big perks against Willis is one, he tries and escapes out the pocket too much. You know, he's not the best when he's in the pocket, and they're gonna he's gonna get protection here. And you know, holding on to the ball too long, inviting on sacks there. You know, it. We need someone who's going to develop in this system first and put, we don't just throw a rookie in there who, you know, it, it just sends your offense all funny trying to incorporate a guy in there and they're not ready. They're not I mean, ready I, to be day one so starters. Willis is not ready to be a day one starter in terms of being a passer, but in terms of being a runner, he is. And I think that gives you a higher floor than where we are now with Goff because he's unpredictable. Yeah, but I, I, I love a running quarterback more than it. You know I do. I'm Kyler yeah, Murray's I know biggest you do, fan which in the is why world. I can't believe your position on this. Because he's not good enough. Simply not good enough. He's not a Kyler Murray. He's not a Justin Fields from last year. Yet, there's a lot of work that needs doing with him. And I'm sorry, I'm just not chucking him in day one. When I've got an O-line that's going to protect, he's going to start running all over the place, just making all these protections worthless, getting sacked. I just, I, I'm sorry, but I don't want a rookie running around back there. Plain and simple. I think it's a fair point. I think it's a point that we should be exploring because at the end of the day, he's right. If you put him back there, we talking about worry about ruining the quarterback. What about ruining our offensive line? Because the quarterback can't sit still and his feast is happy. What about what about the fact that you got a guy who who's not shown that he's throwing anticipated passes? What about that? Or a guy that sees that you know that has people open, but he runs first. I'm not saying that you can't take the quarterback. I'm saying that you don't take a quarterback second overall who needs a prayer and lots of work. You just don't do it. You have to take somebody who can come in and perform and help you this year. They're not they're not playing this year to just say, oh, we're going to try to go for it all on the third year. No, they, they understand. Winning generates more winning. And winning also brings free agents. Winning brings people's desire to want to be here. You cannot go through another season like you just did this year, 3-13-1, and, and say, oh, well, we had a rookie quarterback. Nobody wants to hear that excuse. You have a chance to try to win now. You have two running backs. Well, really, you got four. But you got four running backs. You went out, you added receivers that fits what you're doing. If you do all that to go out and get a mobile quarterback to, that you're going to start uh, who's literally not ready, he's not ready. His production don't say he's ready. His gameplay don't say he's ready. The film don't say he's ready. I, I just think it's a mistake to follow that, that path. Now, if they're going to do that, more power to them. But I feel like when you talk about people getting fired, it's usually because they, they reached for a quarterback when you didn't need one. Oh, yeah. And, no, I think and, it's unwise to take him for that reason alone because the front office I actually want to keep, for sure. But yeah, but people just think that putting him behind this offensive line and not the one at Liberty is going to solve all his issues. It's not. There are there are technical and fundamental issues there with him that need solving that no amount of a good O-line is just suddenly going to fix overnight. It's like even Kenny Pickett. He has problems in the pocket staying there. And he had a much better offensive line at Pittsburgh and it caused them all sorts of issues at times. The way he used to move around, just try and sprint and run all the time or get out of his position. And it's, you know, it's what it's not what we need now. It just simply is not what we need. Maybe we'll revisit this again next week because it feels like such a big topic. And it's the only one which is, I think, going to generate a lot of talking points because there's a lot of angles to come from on this. And I know that Ant is bored of the conversation at two somewhat, but we are just about to come on to two when we talk about our mock drafts. So 
Let's dive into this, shall we? Luke, shall I wait for you to get home before we start doing yours? I made it home. You're home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I made it home. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, let me just load up some mock draft software so that I can actually know where we are with you. Which I should have done. B4. I am professional. All right. Um... Yeah, Tom, that's cool. Yeah, you go first. All right, we'll start with Tom Wilkinson. What is your first rounder? And if I can actually... Uh, first overall pick. That's a fill colour. That's not what I want. There we go. Aiden Hutchinson, number one, to Jacksonville. What's your thinking there? Yeah, I mean, it's been talked about many, many times. Uh, I definitely am not ruling out uh, a tackle, but I think as time goes on, um it's looks it looks like it could be harsh the latest is Trayvon walker is in play at one etc but he's the most safe recording player. in progress oh, recording sorry. stopped <laughs> sorry <laughs> anyway, she did on. not like my pick apparently she was trying to cut me off but uh um yeah with, with, with hutchinson he's probably the safest player in the draft he's a high character guy with a laughing stock of an organization um it stops josh allen getting double teamed on that line and gives them, I guess, what you would hope would become a foundational piece. I'm not sure if I was then whether I would do it, but this is what I think will happen. All right. I'm just going to show you Ryan's pick. He's not here to defend it, but he's gone Aiden Hutchinson too. So have I. It's the no-brainer pick. At the end of the day, they have franchised their left tackle, and while that doesn't keep them around long-term, it provides them with enough for right now. And I think probably they'll actually re-sign him long-term. I don't think they're looking to be elite at tackle. I think they're looking to be average at tackle, and that's probably good enough for them. They're taking the best player in the draft for me, so I just think it's an absolute no-brainer. We are moving on to Ant's pick at number one overall. You're also going Hutch. Any further thoughts? Yeah, so I, I did at least try and justify some of these. You know, they've been on the college pod and all. I do have to try and rep as we can just look at the players all year and then just like throw them in and go, yeah, they might go there. Um, I mean, you guys have kind of summed it up for me already. I mean, the, the, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you guys have kind of summed it up already for me. But the big thing is, you know, Cam Robinson got franchise tag. Now, if they didn't want him around this year or they were going to pick a left tackle this season. You know, it's the second most important position on your team when you're building, which is what they're doing. They got the franchise quarterback last year. If you're going to go for a tackle now, you don't need to franchise tag Cam Robinson. Why? Because you're picking at number one and you can take whoever you damn well please. You know, you can take Evan Neal there and, you know, you're not going to be deprived of him. And you're not going to bring him in and put him alongside Robinson because at right tackle, they've got Walker Little who they're really high on. They've got Jawan Taylor there. They're letting them fight it out. That's going to stunt their development, which they're not going to want. You've bought Scherfin at left guard. You've put you've put a lot of you've put a lot of ammunition in your offense. Don't forget Travis Etienne's coming back. They've got a double backfield in there. You've got Evan Ingram. You've got Zay Jones. You've got Christian Kirk. You've they've put a lot in there. They need to go defensive line. Josh Allen got seven and a half sacks last year. I think it was one other guy who got six. But then after that, the next you know the next number for sacks was three. That's all. Their third highest sack rate got three. You need someone in there who's going to bring the pressure. They bought Fatakasi in from the Jets, who I really like at tackle. You know, they've got Arden Key there as well. They've bought him, but he's been a rotational guy. You bring in the best player in the draft who you can 
to join in with that Hutchinson. He's the safest of the three. And when in a draft, when you're devoid of a proper number one player, you don't try and be picky. You'll be safe. Mm-hmm. He's got the highest floor. He's the safest pick. You've got to go that and nothing funky. So for me, yeah. that stands out. That's fair. Right, we're going to finish off with Luke G. Who are you taking for the Jags at number one overall? All right, so I thought about this repeatedly, like over and over and over. I've tried to wrap my head around this, and I said to myself, I know they added Sharif, right? Like, I know they they made some moves, and many people feel, like, really confident that, hey, this line is done when they when they franchise tag uh, Juwan. I think they're going to move Juwan to guard. I think they take one of the tackles here. I think they take one of the tackles here because I think they look at what they have with Allen, and I think they say to themselves, okay, I can still probably grab me another DN later. I think they take them another offensive line because guess what? They Even though they franchise tag this guy, I don't think they're going to give him a chance to really earn that spot as a tackle. I don't think they're so sure of him. If they were sure of him, they would have had a deal worked out, in my opinion. I think they go with – I can never pronounce this dude's name, but the North Carolina State offensive tackle. Equono. Yeah. Yep, y'all not going to set me up like that. <laughs> um, but I think they go with him. I think that's what they, they go with. I think they take that that guy because even if you bring him in now and you start him at tackle a few times or you move him to guard, you got options. But I think they can move Juwan Howard to guard, and I think they forego the defense. I think they feel like, hey, I got more options at this position than I would, so I'm going – how you pronounce his name again? Equal what? How you say it? Equal what? Yep, that part. And that's what we go. <laughs> that's what I'm taking. Just, just break it down into a syllable, though. It's just ek one u Like a quantity. All right, let's try that one more time. Say it slow. Ek one u Ek one nu. U. Just u. Ek one u. That's it. Yeah, yeah, you should have you saw me trying to learn how to say Anzarike. I'm so proud of myself <laughs> now. But God, that was a different beast. But yeah, that's who yeah. I'm going with. I think, I think they go tackle. I, some tells me you invested too much money in Trevor Lawrence to just keep playing around. Bo Sharif ain't always healthy. Um, and Juwan ain't been consistent. I just, my soul said they're going offensive tackle. Fair. I mean, I kind of, yeah, maybe they should. And we're going to go with you, and then we'll go down the line and finish with Luke in this number two pick. So who are you going for here? Remembering Luke, by the way, I don't know if you heard my intro to this, but because there are drinks riding on this, we're trying to get this right. We're not trying to make people happy. We're trying to predict it as accurately as possible. Okay, I think that the Lions really like Aiden Hudson. However... I think the Lions are also looking at it and saying to themselves, ah, I can kind of get a different player. And the one thing I know about this, this uh, general manager, Brad Holmes, is when he was over there on the Rams, they took a lot of players from that senior bowl that they coach. And I'm just going to go out there and put it out there. I think they go Kyle Hamilton with the idea that they believe that they can get one of those pass rushers, rather it be Jermaine Johnson or Boye Mafe from that senior bowl. I just don't think that I don't I think I think that's the pick that's gonna piss people off when they turn around and look up and realize Aiden Hutchinson is there and the Lions said nope we need help in the secondary. I mean uh, Brad Holmes talked about uh getting help on the perimeters and he was very adamant about it uh during the I want to say with the combine, he was saying we need help on the perimeter at the safety and cornerback position and wide receivers. And 
I think he holds true to that and he gets the guy that he wants here. He's looking for those guys who stand out as special at their position. And I, I, I don't think that Aiden Hutchinson necessarily stands out as special at his own position. So I'm going Kyle Hamilton here. All right. The shocker that Aiden Hutchinson falls outside the top two. I think Ton is going to be really pissed off with his, his first overall bet not coming in for Aiden. And we're going to you now and your second overall pick. <sighs> Right, is on Thibodeau of Oregon. I just want to say that I am on the Kyle Hamilton at tra- tra- Kyle Hamilton at two train until the day I die. Well, until the day the draft comes, <laughs> not that long. But I will always believe Hamilton's the pick at two. But because I'm playing for another round of drinks paid for by yourself, I have to really try and look at the positional value thing here as as much as I hate it. Um, so I'm looking at positional value. Edge is obviously a big need for us. I'm looking at the guy who potentially has the highest ceiling here with him. I'm sure as hell not going to Trayvon Walker. He could potentially be good, but not enough production in a great Georgia team. He's going to be coming here. He's going to be one of the number one guys. The pressure's going to be on. He can be as athletic as he wants, but at least Kayvon's done it on a much weaker defense. And if he works out, he's just going to reinvent this pass rush completely for us. And as it says, as much as I don't like not taking Hamilton here, the smart money says it will probably be an edge. Hutchinson's gone. I'd still probably take cave on over Hutchinson, but you know, that's the guy I'm going with, but I'm not happy about it. I'm I also don't... going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm also going for cave on. I, I think that, I'm not buying into the thing of they sent seven people to his pro day. Therefore, they are locking into him at two. But, and you guys know, when I did my evaluation on Kayvon, he was the guy I was assigned to when we did the edge class. I put him at edge six. You know, I am not high on Kayvon as a prospect right now. I think he has problems setting the edge. But I think it's the way the lines are going to go. And the thing is, I've seen what I've seen on tape. But there are so many draft people that I respect that have a different opinion to me. And one of the things I like about, and I know Luke will hate me for saying this, that I like about PFF in terms of what they say about (laughs) how they... So if you listen to their podcast or you listen to the people that are there, they will say, this is what we think. But they say, if you get overconfident in your evaluation, that's when you make mistakes in the draft. If you think you know better than everyone else that's where you make really big errors. And the draft is about making not really big mistakes. If you can avoid big mistakes, you'll come out with good drafts more often than not. And there are enough people saying that Kayvon is the guy. Maybe not in terms of day one, but just the ceiling is there. And I was listening to... um, What was I listening to? I was listening to Pride of Detroit um, when they had... The person from the Athletic talking about either Trayvon Walker, Kayvon, or Aiden. And the person basically said, Kayvon has an amazing speed rush, but because he wants to be technically the best pass rusher, he actually actively avoided using the move that destroyed people because he wanted to technically refine. But actually, in the NFL, they're going to tell him to do the move that wins. So, uh, I, I think the game specifically referenced for people to go and have a look was the second half against Cal in 2021. Apparently, first half goes through and he's fine. And in the second half, he just decides he's just going to pass uh, speed rush pretty much every single play. And he has ter- terrific success compared to, everyone, uh, compared to what he did before. 
and it was like a light bulb going off for him in that game. And he just said, it's going to be addition by subtraction for him in the NFL. And since I've heard that, I can't get it out of my head. I do not want them to make this pick, but I am not confident that I am right about that. And I think that the Lions are going to go for it because they think he is the most talented player in the draft and they'll think they've got an absolute steal at two. So that was my thing. Plus, plus I think, like, again, I know people like Luke just want to stick to the Kayvon, I mean, stick to the uh, Kyle Hamilton pick just for the hell of it, but I believe history is a, is a teacher in so many ways, right? And when you look at the Lions, before they went on that run in 1991, they did something unusual that draft. They took a safety third overall by the name of Benny Blaze. And then, and that was after they traded with Kansas City to move back one spot, right? They had the second, over, they had the second overall pick, and they traded back one spot to take Benny Blaze because it gave them an additional second. And they took that second to draft a guy who was currently on the staff of the Lions in the name of Chris Spielman. And Chris Spielman gave an interview after he got drafted. And here's the first question they asked him. Was Detroit where you wanted to play? And Spielman said, I don't care where I play. They could have sent me to Africa. I just, I'm just ready to start. And then they asked him, are you concerned about starting right away? It says, I had one goal since I could walk, talk, or breathe, and that was to be a professional football player. I have never sat on a bench, and I don't plan on starting it now. They asked him, what about your supposed lack of speed? And this is where I start to think that he's going to go back to all those talks with this dumb question and look at Kyle Hamilton and say, that guy's me. I see me in him. And he's going to pound the table for him. So they asked him, what about your supposed lack of speed? He says, look, when you're running a 40-yard dash, what are you running for? Nothing. There's no reward. Now you put a guy running down the sideline and give me 40 yards and I'm going to catch him. You can believe me. This to me shows a person who understands that, yeah, people are going to judge you based on microisms of, of numbers and stuff, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't have anything to do with it. When they asked this man a question about how does he feel being drafted, with Benny Blaze, his response was simple. If they ever doubted, doubted any of us, they're going to find out the hard way that everything that I've done has been to get to this moment. You will be proud of what you picked up. I think he's going to see that same style in Kyle Hamilton. And because of that, that is another piece of the puzzle for me that says they repeat that history. I think they go in the same light because he's going to look back at that and say, when we did this, we went and won the NFC Championship after that because, well, not direct, directly after it, but they was already the first year in, but they, they still had success because those were the three pieces. You had a safety, a linebacker, and then you added Jerry Ball. I just think that's the road that they're going to go. I love that. It kind of makes me feel bad for not going there again now, but, <laughs> it's, um, but you know, he, he is, you know, you've got to stop taking all this combine stuff into consideration and just look at the guy and how he plays. Don't just take the good pick from the Florida state game either. Look at his collegiate career. Yep. It's, it's incredibly good. And the way people have gone to nitpicking him, the saying he'd torn his ACL when it wasn't a torn ACL, but you know, this guy can't also, it's, it's ridiculous. He's not a team leader. He is a team leader. It's just people have nitpicked that badly just because they don't want to pick a safety, not because they don't want to pick a good player. Yep. All right. We've got Ryan's pick, which he's not here to defend, but never mind. And for some reason, my ability to change this is gone. Um, 
we can see there it's Kayvon Thibodeau. Where's my, there it is. All right, Kayvon, which we've already spoken about, and Tom, your pick is Trayvon Walker. It is, and we spoke a few weeks ago around there's kind of four or five guys for that number two pick. Do we really, like we have preferences, but do we really mind with any of them? No. I think Walker would be the most underwhelming of all of the potential line picks for me, including Willis, including Amar Gardner, who I said I love as well, but... Um, so this is actually one of the few picks where I'm not even 100% sure I'd believe this. Um, but we, we've seen the, hot, the draft go in circles at number two. We've seen every name again and again. We're now back to Kayvon Thibodeau, who, again, I, I mentioned last week, we chat on our, on our Discord channel, and Thibodeau's the guy I want to. For that reason, I'm not picking him. I don't want to have myself riding on the fact that we're going to take the guy I want and my mock draft is dependent on it too. So Trayvon Walker, I think he's been um, he, he's been pushed up too high, to be honest. I've got more nervous with him as time's gone on. Uh, I'm definitely not backing out of the hot take originally pre-combine that he was going to be in play at two. So that's why he's in play at two. Fair enough. All right. I, I really like Trayvon Walker, by the way. I think that I think that it's the sort of guy that I can see you coming good year three. Like, I, I don't want to take someone that high if that's where you're looking. But in a scheme that didn't ask him to to really go after the quarterback too much, a guy that's supremely athletic who can drop back into coverage and look good as a linebacker who can play anywhere between the nought and the set and the nine. And, you know, if you ask him to one gap instead of two, you've got to teach potentially the most athletic guy in the draft to pass rush. A little bit, and that's I don't know that, that I make it sound like it's nothing. That's obviously quite hard, but it's a lot harder to teach an unathletic guy who's got pass rush rules to be fast. So, yeah, I'd, but yeah. but Trayvon Trey Walker, okay, all right, let's okay, <laughs> I <laughs> because because it's frustrating to to hear this Trayvon Walker talk. Let's just how did this happen? Why? Because he ran a four five two. So what? Right, Vernon Ghoston ran four four. So now what? Big whoop. Was but, he great? Okay, no. but Vernon Ghoston, just Vernon Ghoston Tom, had the production. You just heard Tom say though, Luke, that his pre combine thing was that he thought Trayvon Walker was going to be in play at two. So some people have seen this coming for some time. It isn't just the combine stuff. I'm, I'm going to tell you why the why most people who even had him at play at two is because many people somehow shot him up there based on what the team Georgia did. If Georgia would have lost that game, we're not talking Trayvon Walker. If Georgia goes out uh, and, 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 and not have success, we'll be more hypercritical of him as we are of the other players. But when I look at this idea of Trayvon Walker, I I'm watching games and I'm like, Oh, I said that. That's cool. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. Oh, that's really cool. And I'm thinking, but you had Jordan Davis and Tyndall and Lord knows everyone by you. That's your production. That's it. That right there is your production. And I'm looking at people who have had production. I'm looking at the Courtney Browns and all the people who people fell in love with the Aaron Curry's. And I'm trying to figure out second overall, this guy is, this guy is about as raw as uh, uh, Ziggy Anza. And we're taking him second overall with, with options available. I would rather have Thibodeau over him. I would take Jermaine Johnson over him. I would take uh, um, 
the western the western kentucky guy over him and i don't gotta waste a, a second round pick on him i would rather have george carleptis over all of them but that's another story yeah the, yeah, the yeah. reality is is trayvon walker should not be this damn high all this talk around trayvon walker is the potential well guess what i need you to come out with something on a resume that tell me you ready to go because i ain't got nothing right now and i don't see anything that stands out to me that says you're ready to go. So for me, the Trayvon Walker talk is because of the combine stuff. Now, to Tom's credit, kudos to him for saying he can see that being in play. Uh, but at two, I think everybody's in play. You in play, Matthew. Anthony's in play. Tom is in play. Ryan's in play. I'm in play. I don't that, – that, that's not it. It's about making sure that you get a player who can come in and really help you this year. How is he any better than Trey Flowers? No. I mean, no, to be honest, I don't think any player in this draft is better than Trey Flowers. So, <laughs> is, 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 is this like the Seattle Trey Flowers or whoever it is the other one? Shut your face! <laughs> but just just before we move on, because there's a lot of draft, I would just say you mentioned there that it's easier to teach an athletic guy to pass rush than it is a pass rush guy to be athletic. But I will bet you a bottom dollar George Karlaftis has a better NFL career than Trayvon Walker. Why? Because he's got the pass rush arsenal and he knows how to use it. Whereas Trayvon's got the athletic ability, but he doesn't have the pass rush arsenal. And I know which one is going to be better than the other. And it's not I mean, the athletic so guy. I'm with you on Karlaftis, 100%. And I'd love to see him in the Honolulu Blue. It's one of the reasons why I want to see us trade down with New Orleans, because I much more see us in play for Karlaftis at 16 or 19 than I do at 2. Anyway, that is for another day, but we're going to go to Luke's third pick. So you've got Icky and Kyle off the board. We're at Houston's pick. Who are you going for? I, I think they sit there and they, they, they grow some balls and they look and they say, look, we got David Mills. This draft got talent. I, I think they go for an offensive tackle. I think they try to protect that quarterback. And, and start to build the line because that way, if they need to make some adjustments, they can. Now, granted, somebody's going to say, you got them passing on Aiden Hutchinson? You got them passing on – yeah, I do. Because I think that there's there's some room for improvement in a lot of areas, but we have biases because we are Michigan fans and stuff. So I think if you're looking at these teams' needs for real, for real, and what they are trying to get done, I think they're going to say, let's try to build a line for this quarterback because, you know, last year we couldn't even run the ball. So I think they go with Evan Neal. Tackle water Alabama. That's my guess. Evan Neal goes in at number three for Luke. Tom, we're back to you. And we've got Ikea Kwanu. Yeah, so similar rationale. I mean, they've got Laramie Tunsil, but really not a lot else. They took Titus Howard relatively early, I think out of like Southern Alabama or something a few years back. Hasn't panned out. Nope. Oh, uh, you talking about, yeah, uh, Alabama State. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um but they just, other than Tonsil, they've really got nothing at the tackle position. So um, Okanu is the guy I have here, I think, partly because I think he's going to be a bit more dominant in the run game and also a guy that they can play at guard as well, so they have a bit more flexibility. I think ideally they would like him to be their future right tackle, uh, and he will probably, given the lack of talent on their depth chart, he'd probably start there day one. But if not, he can play inside for the first season and then move out. All right, Ryan is taking Evan Neal. I am also taking Evan Neal. And for me, it goes even deeper than this. They're in a rebuild. They have no prospect of competing in, in this coming year. They should be looking to accumulate capital to get as many young picks as possible. 
I still think Tunsil should be on the block. I don't know whether he got re-signed. I'm not sure that they got a deal done. Um, no one's correcting me, so I'm assuming that's not true. So, you know, I think Tunsil should be on the block, and I think they should be able to get back near what they actually paid for him in, in a couple of first-round picks. I think that should be on the table too. So I, I can see him being a left tackle successor, but I definitely see him kind of starting at right tackle and then moving over to the left once Tunsil's gone. And at the end of the day, rebuilding teams either kind of decide to build outside in or inside out. I think they try and build inside out, and so they go with the best tackle on the board, and I think that's Evan Neal. And and we're finishing off with you. You're also going Evan Neal. Um, yeah, so this is either going to be secondary or tackle for the Houston Texans. They need both, but they've got a pick at 13, so they're still really going to get their pick of the secondary guys. A couple of the top corners be gone, but they'll get much better value for secondary than they will tackle. Evan Neal's the guy. I prefer Icky as a tackle prospect, but I think they're going to love the, the Southern strong style that Evan Neal brings to them. It sort of works the way they do. He's going to go straight to right tackle because at the minute, the guy there is Charlie Heck. He's the second guy, second year guy out of UNC. I think it was, he gave up seven sacks. He had a run grade of 41 last year. You know, this is a guy who they're going to need to develop and they're going to need to do it behind a much better tackle. So you're probably going to keep him as your depth piece. You're going to put Tunsil, oh, sorry, you're going to put Neil outright. So in the short term, it protects both of Davis Mills' flanks because I said last year Davis Mills was going to be a hell of a quarterback. Still believe that they need to protect him. And then in the long term, when they get fed up with Tunsil's contract or, you know, they fall out with him, whatever, because it's not meant to be the best relationship in the world at the minute, they've got the left, ta- they've got the left tackle of the future. It just makes all the sense in the world to take the guy now. And I think Neil fits them better than Nicky does. Whichever tackle it is, it's tackles across the board at three that we've picked. Move on, moving on, snaking round, and to your fourth overall pick for the Jets, you have gone for the source, Ahmad Gardner. I have, and again, some people might go tackle here. I don't believe they will. This, you know, Mackay Becton's only in his third year. I don't think they're going to give up on him now at left tackle, even if they do. They've got George Fant, who plays out on the right tackle, and they've said he can be successor to Mekai if he doesn't pan out there. So you've got your left tackle. And in last year's draft, they drafted Elijah Vera Tucker. He played tackle in college. They could kick him out to right tackle if they wish to, and they could go on guard a little bit later. So I'm not so sure the offensive line is as big a need for them yet as it is for the other guys. You think the division they're going to be in this, this year. Tyreek Hill has come to the Dolphins. That offense is now really high-powered there. You have Stefan Diggs with the Bills. You know, the Patriots have spent a lot of money on offensive weapons. Devontae Parker has gone over there. For me, you need to take the lockdown corner. You've got to give some backup to that secondary. Robert Seller is a defensive head coach. They went all off. Well, they took their quarterback last year, but they need to look at the defense this year. Ahmed Gardner is the best corner by a mile in there, and just given the sort of guys you're facing there, you need someone of his talent at that point. So I don't think tackles as big a need for them. I think it's the corner and they take the best one going and their secondary gets a lot better for it. All right. I am going for Ikem Ikwanu. Ike Ikwanu going to the Jets. I I see what Ant is saying about the tackle need for the Jets. It's maybe not quite as high as it's being said in the media, but I do think that when you have a look at Zach Wilson, they are and must be fully invested in him being successful. 
and I am not fully invested in George Fant at right tackle. I think that Icky comes in straight away, and George Fant is the swing. I think that Icky starts at right tackle. He's probably the best run blocker in the draft. So you take the guy that's going to help out Zach Wilson the most, and that's a solid run game. You get a solid run game at the Jets, led by Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, and former Lion Ty Johnson. You get that being productive, and you know you get a little bit better in pass protection. Not a huge amount, because Fant's not awful, and Icky is not the best in pass protection. But you know the play-action game comes into it a bit more, and I think it gives Zach Wilson the best chance to succeed. So I think they go tackle, and I think they leave the secondary need to, to pick 10 overall where they probably can pick up someone at value, I think, in that place. Uh, Ryan ends up going for Icky Aquanu as well. Tom, you're going for Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, so um, Thibodeau, obviously, at this stage, falling through the first three picks. I think uh, the media angle on him falling outside the top five, maybe outside the top ten, I think was massively overblown. Ultimately here, it's just a guy who I think is a really good player. And I think for the Jets, with Robert Sala, obviously the investment that San Francisco made in the defensive line. Am I right in saying they took four first-round picks in a row with that defensive line or something like that? I think that they, they will invest in that side. Um, Sala is used to dealing with guys on the back end and the secondary who are lower picks, um, guys you're not spending a load of money on. And it's requirement that they they get pressure up front. So um, with the guys left on the board, I think Thibodeau's the one to get that done. Makes a lot of sense. All right, we're moving on to Mr. G. Luke, number four overall to the Jets. Who do you pick? I have them taking Aiden Hutchinson, and I'll tell you why. I think they the Jets are looking at themselves saying, yep, we need an offensive tackle. But with me having already taken those offensive tackles off the board, they're like, Crap, fudge. There's no, you know, real reason for me to, to go at this point. Then you start to look at the uh safety position. I got the Lions taking Hamilton, so that destroys that little dream. And then you go through and, and, and for reasons that Tom pointed out, they he's he's used to seeing things done differently, where I can get a bunch of lower level corners and get these things done. When you look at last year's draft, he was trying to recreate that front seven. Well, guess what? I think Aiden Hutchinson reminds him of Bosa and his spirits gets up and he feels that he has more options with him um, and more of a connection with the guy. So I think he goes edge rusher at that point and, and waits to take his shot for the safeties and the cornerbacks later, I, especially given the fact that they got another pick coming right up and Aiden Hutchinson is still there. They can't believe it. They take Aiden Hutchinson. I can't believe taking Aiden Hutchinson, but what I can believe is that we're snaking back to you for number five at this point. The Giants are up. Who do you fancy, Luke? Yeah, all right. So I've been <laughs> I've been going back and forth with the Giants because the Giants is a team that also needs safety and offensive tackle. However, at this point, the only thing that's left for them to do without them getting judged by their fan base is Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think they'll take Kayvon Thibodeau with the idea that he can at the very least be a Jason Pierre-Paul uh, type copycat or at the worst, worst way possible, worst possible uh, add-on. He still, <laughs> he still can somewhat be very productive uh, in the role of, of a um, uh, guy. I forgot the dude name that quick. Jesus Christ. Um, but I forgot the guy's name that quick. It was a guy that I was going to name. I just can't remember. Um, but I think that they they definitely stay with the edge rusher and just take that guy and say, you know what? 
I, I now solved my problem to get pressure, but I think they definitely want to uh, keep uh, protection up on the other people like uh, their quarterback. Mm. Aziz Ojolari, you think he is? That's, no, 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 no. Yeah, Ojolari was kind of edge outside linebacker that they took last year. No, no, it was a, he's an older player when they beat the when they oh. beat the uh, oh. when they beat the Patriots, and I just can't think of his Strahan, name. Strahan, Omanura. Nope, not Strahan. Definitely not Omanura. It was the other guy that when when Omanura oh, got Justin hurt. Justin Tuck. Justin Tuck. There we go. Thank you. I was drawing hard hard things right there. At the very least, I think they felt that they can get a guy like Justin Tuck that you can move around and stand up and put down because that's what they did with him. Thank you, though. Mm-hmm. All right, Tom, you're up, and this time a tackle comes off the board for the Giants at five. Yeah, Evan Neal, it's like I say, I think the Giants need a tackle. I would love the Thibodeau pick for them. I, the more just seeing these play, these play out, I think five is actually quite a nice sweet spot, whereas I think two is a bit of a horrible slot because there's a load of guys you don't really know who to take. I think five is actually where you get that back end of these kind of top-tier players. So, yeah, Evan Neal out of Alabama, um, They've got Andrew Thomas, who really took a step forward last year. A left tackle, right tackle. I don't know who they've got, but I know it's not great. Um, and if you're thinking new general manager, you really want to invest in the trenches. Ideally, take a guy who's relatively low risk. Um, and that's where I think Evan Neal's a great fit for them. So their current depth chart piece, according to the SPN, is undrafted Matt Gono. His fourth yeah. year. I have no idea who he is, if I'm honest. From Wesley College, which is a school I've never heard of. All right, we'll move on to Ryan's pick, and he's gone Omar Gardner here. Giants obviously need secondary help, so that makes sense. I've gone with Charles Cross. So, I mean, I've gone tackle, tackle, tackle here. I look at that tackle need, and I think, oh, I have a fourth-year UDFA there. That ain't good enough for me. If I'm all in on Daniel Jones for this year, I have to give him the best possible chance to succeed because if I don't, then why am I keeping him at all this year? The only way to do that is to beef up that offensive line once again, give the running game a chance, give him a chance, and they can take the only remaining really good tackle prospects in this year's class. So, you know, I think they're hoping that they'll get the pick of the litter at five and actually end up scraping the barrel with the the lowest ranked of these three, in my opinion. But Cross is probably the best all-rounder of the group, I would say, in terms of pass production and and run blocking. I think he's dependable without being flashy. And actually, I think that's going to translate really, really well to the NFL. And I think, actually, when you look back at this class, I think that people might say that the Giants got the best value of these three. That's my small hot take out of those. And we're finishing off with you at five, and you're going for Ikki Okwani here. Yeah, they need a tackle. They don't have a right tackle. They had Nate Solder there last year as one of the worst tackles in football. They've abandoned that line criminally for far too long. Andrew Thomas has developed really well at left tackle. They need a guy on the other side. Icky is really good, especially when it comes to the run game, run blocking. They need to get Saquon Barkley going. He's the pick for them here. Neil Neil fits the Texans better. Icky fits the Giants better. But they have to take a tackle while he's available. They can't even afford to wait till seven for this. They've got to go with a guy first. They've got to protect Daniel Jones and give him a half chance of saving his career with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Right. We're going to move on to potentially one of the big surprises here. And your pick at number six for Carolina. 
yeah, Carolina aren't picking here. Um, I've traded. I know not. I don't think anyone else has traded here, but I think there are going to be trades this year. Wait, wait. Um, I could have traded. Yeah. Oh damn! I didn't know that rule. Oh, I now know. Sorry. You can still do it. If, you can still do it if you want. If, if you want to go back fun. and revisit, we'll let you do it. But this oh, is no, about... trust me. I'm trust me. So far, I feel good about the order. I think it's going. Okay. Yeah. The idea is you want to be as accurate as possible. So if you think there's a trade, you trade. But if you're inaccurate, we will remember. Yeah. Right. Anyhow, so where was I at? You're right. I'm talking about the tackle problem here. There's teams. I think there's going to be a run on them very early because there's a lot of teams who need them. So I've got the LA Chargers moving all the way up from 16 to 6 1. The Panthers need picks. I can guarantee you they don't want to stay in at pick six at the minute. They've only got one pick in the top 100. They need to move back. The Chargers need a right tackle. Brian Balaga is gone. They don't have anyone there. And do you want to be in the AFC West this year with no tackles? No, you don't because of the pass rushes in that league. If you want to do well, the LA Chargers are all in. The amount of money they've spent this offseason getting Khalil Mack, all those likes there, Sebastian Day Joseph, they've paid a lot of money out and they need to protect Justin Herbert. You can't go in with an undrafted free agent, a lower rookie, anybody like this. Like I say, Balaga was the guy. He's gone. And because the two main tackles are gone off the board, you can't afford to sit and wait because those tackles are going to be gone very soon. The Panthers are the first trade targets there, so the Chargers have to come up and get Charles Cross because I do believe he's, you know, he's the third tackle in this draft. He's going to do really well at right tackle there for them. I think he's going to slot in perfectly. I think he's going to finish that line off just how they need it because they are in an uber-competitive division and they are working on Justin Herbert's con- rookie contract. Their window is low. They've got to go in there and do it now. So I feel that they don't care about giving up the future capital to go and get their tackle. They just have to do it because if they don't, the Saints or someone else behind them will. And they've not given up anything so far. So they'll be able to offer the Panthers basically what they want and not give away to, not give away as much as some of the other groups have. So yeah, the Chargers are coming up. They're taking a tackle. They absolutely have to. Not taking one could be disastrous for them, especially in that division. Yeah. I can I just say I absolutely love this because all the talk is about Carolina needing to draft a quarterback. But then all of the talk is about there being plenty of quarterbacks available for Detroit at 32. So Carolina can trade back here and absolutely take a quarterback. Like, they're still quarterback desperate, but they can still take one and they accumulate picks they desperately need. I love this move from Ant, and I wish I'd thought of it before he did because then I could take the credit, but I... I can't just want to have a shout out to Derek Bobarek, who has subscribed with Prime. This is his third month. Thank you for doing that, my man. I really, really appreciate that. We we really appreciate that. We're going to move on to my pick, and I have fallen in with the crowd, I have to admit. It is going to be Kenny Pickett for me at six. I believe the, the smoke and fire align here. You know, at the end of the day, he's the one with the links to this staff. He's the one I think is the most pro-ready, and I hate that word. But apart from maybe Ridder, everyone knows I'm on the Ridder train at this point. But Pickett is the one that they think, I think, is going to possibly be able to save their jobs. I mean, they've got to swing for the fences. And if they don't take Pickett here, I think they're going to fear that he's not going to be available when they pick next, wherever that is. So even if they can trade down, I think they're going to worry that Atlanta might take one, or Seattle might take one, or Washington might take one, because... If Washington believe they got the quarterback of the future, they got another thing coming. 
Um, so I think a quarterback is the pick, and I think that they're just going to fall in love with Kenny Pickett and what he can do. He throws a very pretty ball, and he doesn't really get through his progressions as well as he'd like, but you hope you can bring him in on that. You simplify the offense for him. They've got a wealth of talent offensively if they can just unlock the door, but it's like it's behind a locked door at the moment. All this talent is behind there and just waiting for the right key, and they don't have it right now, so they give it another try here. We're going to go for Ryan's pick, and he is going for Malik Willis. So he's going quarterback two, um, but he's gone for the other one. I think this is a really interesting pick, um, but perhaps we'll ask that about from Ryan next week. Tom, maybe you can take up the mantle here because you've also gone for Malik Willis. Yeah, firstly, love the trade situation. I think I think the Panthers would love to take a quarterback. If they don't think there's one there, you get out of it and you try and stock up for next year or whatever. So love that from their angle. The Chargers side, completely agree with it as well. If they think with Herbert, they're going to be a playoff team again and again, then actually if you're giving up a future one or something like that, you're hoping that ends up like the Rams' future one and the team is picking 32. So love that. If they do take a quarterback, I think it's Malik Willis. think that for a couple of reasons. One, I think he is the best quarterback in this class. Um, but also David Tepper, their owner, I want to say he's a hedge fund guy originally, but um, the Panthers over the last few years have, they, they clearly think quarterback solves everything. And it's hard to argue just from a pure value standpoint. Now, Tepper, he's not, he, he's not in the hot seat. He owns the team, right? And his, his influence is apparently pretty high on these kind of things. So if Willis flames out, whilst it's not ideal, he's not the one losing his job here. And that's why I think that there's a higher chance they go for a higher risk player but with the upside to be a superstar, which is just not something I see with Kenny Pickett. Um, so yeah, that's why I go Willis. Makes total sense. Um, Luke, who are you going for for Carolina? Well, for reasons that was pointed out earlier by, by Anthony, the offensive line absolutely sucked. And I think that if you have an offensive line that sucked that bad and a head coach who is in the same position, in my opinion, as a Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, he makes the most resounding stupid decision to try to get the person now after looking at his roster and seeing Sam Darnold and PJ Wilson Walker, I believe his name is, mm -hmm. on the roster, I think he does indeed go out and draft Malik Willis. Uh, I so I'm taking Malik Willis with the, with that pick. I think I think they panic and they go out and get the quarterback and things don't work out and they get fired. I hate to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you're right though. The thing is. For me, they're dead men walking. I do not think there's a realistic route to them keeping their jobs next year. And so I don't really exactly. understand why they're still there. No, and, and and the worst part about it is is they're going to do something that they believe is going to make the fans happy. So that way the fans can say, oh, we got a quarterback because if this guy goes down, we still got Malik Willis and he has to bid arm and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, yeah, I I, I'm not buying it. I think they panic and they do what, what our guy did, panic and try to draft for the knee instead of saying take the tackle. All right. We're snaking back to you, man, for the Giants pick at number seven. All right. So the Giants sitting up there, they can't believe it. They're, they're living their best life. They just got their Kayvon Thibodeau, and they're sitting there and they're saying, we really don't need this, but why in the hell not? I think they take the cornerback. Ahmad Gardner at this point. I think they're, they're looking at it and they're saying, look, Adoree Jackson, cool. Uh, James Bradbury, aye. 
this guy can be something different. And I feel that they can look at it and say, you know what? We're building our defense back up. When you look at them having their most success, they had a defense. Um, it wasn't based around the offense. They have literally given that re- that quarterback everything he needs. Kadarius Tooney, uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, hell, he had the fastest tight end at the time, and Evan uh, Ingram. Uh, they gave him a Saquon Barkley. They've done everything to try to help him. They added guards and everything to try to help this quarterback. And I think they've finally just realized we're getting back to our roots uh, where we had our most success. Uh, looking back over the years, whether it be Lawrence Taylor or Michael Strahan or whoever, I'm going defense. I think they take a mod Gardner here. If the Giants end up with Thibodeau and Gardner from round one, they win the draft. I really do. Like, that's just it's a long draft. It's a long, long draft. <laughs> it's true. If we trade back and get Lloyd and Carl Aftis, then we win. Yeah. Oh, that would be so sweet. Right, Tom, for the Giants, you've gone for the source as well. Yeah, I mean, God, imagine Thibodeau and Source. I would love that. Um, yeah, Gardner, I think, is a perfect fit. Don't think they have... I think he brings something to their corner room that they don't have, and I think he's one of the best players in the draft. It also reminds me a little bit of uh, Rogers Cromarty, who obviously had a bit of success with uh, the oh, Giants. Good point. So, uh, yeah, love that pick. All right. Ryan, he's going for Kyle Hamilton here. So Hamilton drops all the way to seven in his draft. But looking at the way he's taken people, going edge-edge, tackle-tackle, corner, quarterback. Like, I can see that working out that way, you know, the... The group think of the NFL GM thinking that safety isn't worth a top five pick and then a quarterback comes off like I can just see that happening, but I'll leave that for Ryan next time. I'm also going for the source here. They come away for me with Charles Cross and Gardner as opposed to Neil and Gardner or Thibodeau and Gardner, but for the reasons you said, he's the guy. Like, they need someone like him, someone who is potentially not flashy and a bit unorthodox, but is going to get the job done. And, you know, the Giants are going to look really, really good next year on defense. This defense of the Giants, after the first five weeks last year, really tightened up in a big way. Their offense was just awful. And Gardner comes in to just plug that kind of final hole back there. And suddenly the Giants are a threat on defense. And so now they've just got to hope their quarterback works out. And they could be competitive in that division. So we'll see what happens. And you're rounding off. Pick number seven for the Giants, with Trayvon Walker falling to seven. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I do get the chatter about cornerback. They they do need help in the secondary there. But as it stands, James Bradbury is still there. You know, I know they're having issues with his contract and that. But for me, you know, they've gone offensive line. They've got to fix that first. They need to fix the defensive line as well. They need a running mate for Leonard Williams. He's, he's not had any help there off the edge for some time now. And... And sort of the thing that really kicks it for me is you've got to look who the new defensive coordinator is there now. So it's Don Martindale's over there. If you remember him back when he was at Baltimore, he is a guy who loves to blitz, 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 blitz. He loves to blitz quarterbacks. He needs the weapons to be able to go and blitz the quarterbacks in that division. So I can see him falling in love with Trayvon Walker because, as Tom said earlier, athletically, he's probably gift more gifted than any other edge rusher in this draft. And if you can teach him how to edge rush properly, he's going to be a guy like an energizer bunny who you're just going to be able to send and blitz the quarterback time after time, after time, after time. So I think they're going to really go at their trenches here, despite the need for corner. There is a deep corner class here, so they can revisit the issue later and still get a decent one, maybe not the best, but they can still get someone good back there, but that they have to fix the edge problem 
as well. So it's trenches, trenches. Trayvon Walker, for me, just makes all the sense, especially with who his coordinator is going to be there. And I think he's going to be pounding the table for him, especially after his offensive counterpart gets someone for his line. I love that. Trenches, trenches, Trayvon Walker. It works very, very well off the tongue. Right. Snaking back round to Mr. Fitzpatrick at number eight overall. One of the picks I think that's going to polarize a lot of people here in terms of where you might go. And number eight, you're going for Trevor Penning. The offensive tackle. I am, yes. And, you know, they could take a quarterback here. It could very well be a quarterback. But do they like, They do they trust this year's class to be, a, you know, do they see there's someone in there who's going to be a franchise guy moving forward for them? I'm not necessarily sure that they do. You know, they've just had Matt Ryan, who's a hell of a guy there, and they've just ran him out of town for a third. I'm not sure they're enamoured with the quarterback class. So what do you do if you don't go for quarterback? You look at your tackles next, because they are rebuilding. They needed to start the rebuild last year. I said last year, you know, Kyle Pitts was a vanity pick, which they didn't need. I was absolutely right. They could have got their quarterback then and sorted this issue. Um, But it's got to be tackle. And because the Chargers have jumped, Trevor Penning is probably the fourth and last guy who is really at this class where you're really going to get someone good for them. You've got to build the line for whenever they do draft quarterbacks. For me, I think they're nailed on for the number one pick next year. I think they're going to be able to get their choice of quarterback next year so they can hang fire. You build that line in front of them. So you've got Jake Matthews, I think, is at left tackle, who's absolutely fine. But at right tackle, you've got Caleb McGarry. He gave up 19 sacks and quarterback hits last year and a lot of pressures on top of that. I think it was nine sacks, 10 quarterback hits, a lot of pressures. He is not a very good tackle there. You know, you've got your guy at the left, but you need a guy at the right as well. And you bring Trevor Penning in, he is nasty. He is aggressive probably more so than the other ones there. He may take a little bit of tuning in, but this year, take the, ch- take the chance to settle your tackle situation so that when your quarterback does come next year, you've already got two big pieces in front of him. So you've got to start this rebuild from the bottom up now. Stop these vanity picks. Stop trying to convince yourself that you're partly good when you're not. And just start the rebuild. Penning's the one guy left. They've got to take him there. He's the only choice. And at least this year, it will make them better and give whoever is starting on the centre there some form of a chance because that line has been criminally, criminally underused for years. They've just not put any draft resources into it. So I'm going tackle. I don't think they like the quarterbacks. and I think they know they're going to be picking high next year and they'll get a better one. I'm just going to say this now. I don't like that pick. <laughs> I don't care. I was not like, expecting it. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't like that pick. Um, so they've got, I think they've got Jermaine Effetti to come in at right tackle. The and, Bears bust. Yeah. So, I the mean, Bears, you say, the Bears bust. He's uh, okay, not so good at all. You say he's, he's not, not going good to at all, them. but he is good enough at tackle. He's not. He's not good, but he's average. I think he is the damn average as well, but he's average. And for me, I think I, I look at that Mariota contract and I think that's a team that's given him just enough money to come, but not enough money to stay. I do not think they are invested in Marcus Mariota. And in my draft, they are absolutely blessed with Malik Willis falling to them at eight. This fits their timeline like a shoe, like a glove. You know, like, I don't know, like like Cinderella's slipper. 
it just fits so nicely. Everyone's been saying, this guy's not ready to start, blah, 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 blah. Well, absolutely perfect. You take the guy that's got the highest upside, you can sit in behind someone who actually runs a similar type of offense to him. So if you want to give him reps, it's going to be a similar offense that Mariota and Willis run. So people who try and throw from the pocket a bit, but actually are very mobile and do run out of the pocket a lot. They, Mariota can help Willis along in the two-year span that he's got. Willis can start halfway through year two. And Atlanta are embracing the fact that they're going to be bad next year. They're going to pick number one overall and take an edge. So that's going to fix that need next year. And I think the things actually work out very, very well for Atlanta in three years' time. That's their, that's their timeline for me. That's what they're building towards. And Willis is the first piece. Well, he'll love it in Atlanta because he gets sacked 50 times a year at Liberty as well, just like Ryan does in Atlanta. So he's, he's going to be used to getting sacked so many times. True They're that. Mariota and Willis are nothing alike. <laughs> nothing alike at all. You are not trained. That's like giving Willis to Goff. They are not alike. It's not like he's going to teach him how to be a quarterback there. Mariota was a specialist athletic quarterback at the Raiders. And I know I know that, that, that Mariota isn't actually a proper dual-threat guy and he's more of a pocket passer. But that's why Mariota is a reasonable starter right now. But he does have the athletic exactly. traits. He's a reasonable starter now. So build your line in front of him whilst he's there, reasonably giving you a chance so that when your rookie comes, he ain't going to die in his first six games. They need Get help him. all over there. I even thought about giving them Tyler Linderbaum as well at this Ooh. point. They need... I think I, it's the first see, pressure point see, for I Tyler Linderbaum. I like that. I, I like Linderbaum I think it's, more than Penny. But I so, think it's the first pressure point for Tyler Linderbaum, but I think they've got, to, they've got to sort it. Matt Ryan, who is an elite quarterback and will go down as one of the best who has played the game, was getting sacked 50 times a season, even with his now some knowledge and trying not to get sacked. That's how bad it is. A rookie ain't going to be able to go there and do any better. So I'll tell you what, your big issue first, because you're picking number one next year or you're picking damn high. You're going to get a lot better quarterback in 12 months than you will in this draft. I think they're picking two with Carolina at one, but we can pick that apart later on. I, the thing about Penning that just gets me is there's this whole Mr. Nasty mentality to him. I remember when we drafted Mr. Nasty a couple of years ago, didn't work out particularly well. Because in what round? No in in round, what round compared round to this one? Yeah, and if Trevor Penning didn't have no discipline, he wouldn't be a round one consideration. Trevor Penning is going to 12. destroy the legs of his own quarterback by throwing people into it several times. I saw a that once at the Senior Bowl, but it happened four times at the Senior Bowl. Four times, like yeah. Well, if Mariota's so mobile, then he can avoid the flying lineman coming in his direction, can't he? So you're fine. (laughs) Touche. Touche. Ryan, I'm going to move on. Ryan picks Trayvon Walker. Sure. So yeah, he's gone edge. He's not gone quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Atlanta continue being awful with, with Ryan. Tom, you're picking Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, and I hope that table is nailed down so you don't flip it 10 feet in the air. But those Falcons have taken your favourite player yet again. Um, oh, shit. That, yeah, that's not funny, Tom. That's not funny. <laughs> uh, when this happens for real, I'm going to be devastated, but also find it hilarious. Now, I mean, it, it's mostly a point here that Hamilton's still on the board. We've talked ad nauseum at how good a player he is. 
And the Falcons are sneaky bad at safety. I know they took Richie Grant, who we liked last year, but you know how who they've got starting at safety right now? Dean Marlowe. <laughs> you know who they've got in their safety room? Cheese Tabor. <laughs> what? What are they? I know they've got a bad roster, but um, so I mean, it's a it's a natural fit here. Um, hopefully, Richie Grant takes a step on as well, and then you have those guys as the two safeties, uh, and we can all look longingly over to Atlanta. But yeah, partly value, partly fit. I swear to God, if they do that, I'm creating a T-shirt, and on the back it says "Safeties that the Falcons have stolen from me," and I'm going to start listing them all. They're going to be a shirt be, with them all on there. Be like a sort of Game of Thrones list where you've got your kill list and you're just going to strike them off or have the names of the players that you should have had. I can see that it the happening. Falcons have taken. You know what's I'm funny, a... though? Ironically, a lot of former Lions is on the on the roster of the Falcons. I almost feel like they got Mike Ford. I almost feel like they got like Corey Ballantyne, who was on our team. Cadarell Hodge, sure get... Chad Hansen. Yeah. I'm just saying, I feel like they like former Lions players. So, you know... We've this, got a this, safety they can have. We've got a safety we'll let them have. <laughs> Sorry, did you say safety? Oh, a corner. Don't a corner, you mean? A don't, yeah, but safety. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Luke, we are back with you, my man. Atlanta, eight. Where are you going? All right, so I've been paying attention to the Falcons, and I, and I thought to myself how ironic it was that they got rid of Matt Ryan, then they turned around and picked up Marcus Mariota, and, and the first thing I thought about is bridge quarterback. I think they go in the direction of Kenny Pickett at this point. They, they can't believe he's there. Their senator says, hey, we got ourselves a quarterback. He doesn't got to play right away, even though, you know, I will play him right away. I mean, but I get it. Um, they're saying, hey, we don't got to play him right away, and I think they look at that and they go, okay, we're going to live with that because if you go into this season with the idea that you're just going to going to eyeball this thing with Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota, and Frank Felipe, I, yeah, good luck with that. You uh, know, the the dual threat Marcus Mariota, Luigi. Don't forget the highly athletic <laughs> dual threat Marcus Mariota. <laughs> you you got to re- you got to remember that touchdown against the Pats. It was against the Pats in the in the playoffs. The throw to himself. No, it wasn't against the Pats. Who was that against? Oh, How far back in time are we going here? Three years. Oh God! I mean, it, I mean, it was it was um it was a, a throw in over it was overtime with like the final play of the game. It was deflected by the like corner slot corner that was out there back into his arms and he dived for the pylon. Um. Oh I'm not God. even going to claim to know who you're talking about on, on, on that play. I remember the play, but I don't remember the team he was, he was yeah. going with. It was one of my favorite plays of all time. Well, uh, I, I can tell you this much. Uh, he's going to have a lot of time to get some of them passes done, bat it back towards him, because I think they take a quarterback and, and move on from Marcus Mariota. Uh, you know, um, this, but that's, that's, that's ironic, given the fact that most Lions fans want Malik Willis, and Marcus Mariota was like, that same if factor, but we're gonna leave that alone. Uh, Mariota completely surpassed himself on one of the weirdest and coolest plays in recent playoff memory. He threw a touchdown pass to himself against the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, just this is your second Trey Flowers moment, just just accept it and move on. He's got a highlight reel, that's what I'm saying. Let's move on, uh, Luke. So you've You've gone for Kenny Pickett at number eight, and now we're snaking back round to Seattle Seahawks at number nine. 
I think Seattle is sitting there kicking themselves. They're disgusted. They they thought Malik Willis would be there. They thought that Kenny Pickett would be there. They thought that the quarterback of their choice would be there. However, they are in a good place. They feel highly confident that, you know what, we didn't get our quarterback, but there's still opportunity there for you to get one later. I think that they go in the direction of Mr. Cross. So I'm giving them a tackle. I think they, they continue to try to build their offensive lineup so that way they can uh, uh, continue to – improve upon the protection and they'll worry about that quarterback with the next pick. All right. I've actually put the player in, but right. Okay. Um, we are going for Tom next. Sorry, beg your pardon. I lost my thread there for a second and Seattle we're going for Trevor Penning. Yeah. I thought maybe we should talk more about Trevor Penning. So I thought I'd slot him in here to, uh, to get everyone going. No, I mean, I, I think this is way too high for Penning. However, all we keep getting told is he's going to go high. Um, and I think for exactly the reasons Luke just said there, I think they need a tackle. They've got actually a pretty horrible roster. They're guys who I think will very much be in play for the number one pick next year. But uh, Penning, nasty demeanor. I think it fits what Pete Carroll has always wanted to do. Um, I would absolutely not take him here, but I think the Seahawks might. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what they've done so far, they've. I think, I think when uh, Pete Carroll looks back over his coaching career, he looks at his success with this team. They had a defense, and they had a run game. And if I'm trying to get back to that, and I already got a guy in Carson who I personally would say, hey, it's been great, let him walk. I think they're going to try to, you know, generate that same rushing attack but get a quarterback that can still deliver the ball without hurting them. Similar to what happened with Russell Wilson when he took over for the Seattle the first time around. They just ran the ball and said, good luck, don't F it up. And I think that's what they do here. Just to mention as well, was broken by our special correspondent, Ash Soden. We have got Jack Fox signing his ERFA tender, which is great news. Also, Micro Mike saying that in the chat as well. Um, Great news. I mean, he couldn't play anywhere else because he's in the RFA, but he is back. Legatron, the, what is it, field orientation specialist, is that it? And he, he can pump that Mariota take into oblivion. Oh, you know, let it go now. <laughs> Never let it go. <laughs> right, we'll move on to my pick at nine for Seattle, and I've gone in a slightly different direction. I've gone for Trayvon Walker. Now, for me, this is just a matter of, I don't think Pete Carroll has invested in any particular way to play the game. He has done it with the Legion of Boom. He then tried to kind of invest at safety, but also get pieces around the offensive side to kind of make the most out of Russell Wilson. And now he's gone. I think at this point, with no clear direction, with Willis off the boards and Pickett off the boards, I think he reverts to best player available. And for me, that's Trayvon Walker here. He takes someone who we, we've all said Seattle potentially are in contention for number one overall next year. Well, if that's true, there's no worries about taking someone who takes a year to develop. And Walker fits that bill. Someone who's got supreme upside, got the athleticism, clearly smart enough to do it. If he needs a year to develop some of those pass rush moves, that's fine. But you have a look at what you can do. In that's in it just in general, but for what Seattle like to do, which is be really kind of um, versatile and doing stunts and that sort of thing, making the defense really really hard to read. Walker can be a linebacker, like you've seen him do it. He can drop in the coverage really really well and look natural there. So I think the fact that he can play anywhere from the zero to the nine 
and drop into coverage, I think that Carroll's absolutely going to love what Walker can bring to that team. I, I want to take a page out of the out of the Matthew Turner book, and, and I absolutely hate that pick. I, what? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Thank you, Luke. Why? I mean, listen. Let's be honest. You, we, we can't forget that they brought in Shelby Harris in the trade. So you you got Shelby Harris in the trade, and then on top of you already having Shel, uh, Shelby Harris in the trade, you invested in L.J. Collier. So you got L.J. Collier. You got uh, she- uh, Shelby Harris in the trade, and then you have Rasheem Green. And so now at this point, you know that they feel good about that. I would have understood if you said they went the tackle. If they would have said the tackle, I could have understood that. If you would have said that they did, uh, uh, hell, linebacker. If you would have said they went linebacker, oh. we, they did They did get rid of Bobby Wagner. I would have understood that. Mm-hmm. But to say Trayvon Walker and that he can play linebacker, for who? No, I've Not the saying- Seahawks. No, 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 but I'm saying about the versatility of it. So if Trayvon Walker walks out on the field, the offense doesn't know what he's going to do. It makes calling the assignments more difficult. It makes working out what formation they're going to actually walk out in more difficult because he can play in more places. I think that that Carroll is going to enjoy being that versatile. But also, you said you would understand D-tackle. Trayvon Walker can play D-tackle if you want to take out... He couldn't be my D-tackle, though. Hmm? You, you, you got to think. You got to think. They're running it. Uh, they're running. I believe they're running a 4-3 still. So they're running a 4-3. You still got two of those guys. You still got, you know, that I can't think of his I always pronounce his name wrong, but his last name is Four. I call him Pete Four. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say I've heard some kids refer to that area as that. I just they don't feel right. Uh, and they still brought in Quentin Jefferson. So I'm just like – and then – don't forget, they added Robert Nadichi, whatever his name is. I always botch his name, too. But I'm just saying, if they're going to go in that route to take a guy at the edge position, if they're going to go in that route, I don't see that being as big of a case as much as they're going to say, you know what, let me try to get protection and build a lineup or say, you know what, what can I add to help me this year? And linebacker would probably be higher rated, in my opinion, in my opinion, even though they spent time and, and money on Jordan Brooks, I I, I would have felt better if you said Devin Lloyd. I would I would just I just give me something else, anything else but but Walker, please. But you know what? In this case, keep them because I need I need my free drinks, and you're going to be the best person to spend money on it. <laughs> so, I will have to cash in for 2024 draft. Listen, we are meeting you there. I, I am listen. I am excited for it because, like I said, I know that y'all money worth more than our money. So right now, that's like if, if my drink is ten bucks, that's a twenty dollar drink for me. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're gonna you're gonna have us buying your drinks for an entire night at this rate. Um. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be mostly soda. Trust me, it's gonna be real easy. A lot of lemonade. You're not staying over at the party house and getting drunk with us. Then. That's a shame. It could have happened. It could have happened. Um, And you're rounding out pick number nine for Seattle with Malik Willis. Yeah, so before I start, I'm not like been a hypocrite or anything here. I know I've said with the Falcons that, you know, are they going to be sold on a guy this year? They're probably going to wait till next year and build the offensive line in front of... um, in front of Mariota. I mean, you can make exactly the same case here, but for me... I don't think Pete Carroll's at the age for a rebuild here. I think he's going to try and take a swipe quicker than some of the other teams are here. I think Malik Willis is more in the mold of the Russell Wilson type, 
because he's quite mobile on his feet. He has the big arm ability there. You know, he gives you an extra dimension to that offense. I think he's the closest that he comes to replacing him outright. That's obviously how they've played for so many years now. So bringing him in there, I mean, they've got Drew Locke as their starter. At least the Falcons have Mariota. The Seahawks have Drew Locke. <laughs> so you can let Drew Locke die for the first game, first few games, give the pretense that you're going to ease Malik Willis into the role there, let him take a lot of the heavy hit and, you know, let him play against you know, um, the Rams or someone like that, you know, where he is absolutely going to get mullered. And then you'll just slowly introduce Willis into the fold. And then hopefully by the end of the year, he'll be your full-time starter there. And then, you know, you're going to have a high pick in the draft next year. So you can start getting your tackles and that on the part of that, because you're going to have the picks from the Broncos. So you're going to have a bit more draft ammunition to build in front of him. But I think he's going to want to take a shot on a guy. I don't, he's not going to run with Drew Locke. I don't think Pete Carroll wants the down year where he's going to have Drew Locke as his quarterback. I think they'll swing and they don't even have to move up to get him. So that's the best part for them. I think there's going to be a run on tackles in front of them and it's just going to mean the board will fall ever so nicely. They get Willis. Is he going to work their first year? Probably not. But yeah, Carroll ain't running with Locke. He's got to take a QB. You know, Anthony, you said something that got me to thinking about Seattle and 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 the idea of having Drew Drew Locke um, been there. But I also uh, think that he's he's done this over the past. He's monitoring that whole uh, Brown situation with Baker Mayfield real closely. Yeah, and the fact that he has that opportunity with a chance that he can uh, still trade back into the first round if he needs to get, say, a Sam Howell or something like that. I think he has some options. So I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, to see him go Malik Willis, but I feel like Malik Willis wouldn't be his cup of tea. At I this can point. see that, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing this one would quarterback for them. I, just, I don't know. For me, I'm just looking at the similar sort of traits to Wilson. Like I say, he's mobile and he can make the throws if he ever develops fully. If they're going to use someone in that mold, I think he'd be the guy they'd take. But I'm not confident at all. All right. Snake background for the Jets at number 10. And you're going for Garrett Wilson, wide receiver one coming off the board. Yeah, so I've got a lot of receivers in my first round. So that's probably what's going to kill me here this year. And I know the Jets have needs at other positions. I think they've got their corner first off, which is good for them. And I think they're going to look on the other side of the ball. Now for me, wide receiver is, is a big issue for them there at the minute. You've got Corey Davis, who's good, but he spent most of last year injured. The productivity wasn't there. And then you've got Elijah Moore, who's going to be coming through into his second year. I still think that they need a wide receiver, one weapon there in New York. And with the two picks there, they've got the defensive guy first. I fully see them going for a wide receiver next. And the reason it's Wilson is just personally because he's my favorite receiver in this draft. I think he's the most polished guy over all three levels, you know, at the line of scrimmage, intermediate, short range, long range. I think he can just do just about everything. And he's got the strength, which Brissolave doesn't have to be able to take a lot of contact, impact more in the blocking game. I think he's a great all-round receiver. And yeah, I... This could well be wrong. They might go edge rusher. They do need an edge rusher, and there's still plenty on the board, but there's a lot of depth in this group. You're still going to get one when they pick in the second round as well. And I think a lot of the receivers are going to be gone by then. So Garrett Wilson is my pick. I think he makes a ton of sense for them. And if Corey Davis stays healthy, then Zach Wilson has an utter army of options to be able to throw out next year. Because I think they've got 
Did they bring CJ Uzoma in as well, Tom? Am I making that one up? I think yeah. they did bring they brought CJ Uzoma in at tight end as well. So you're going to be able to give your guy the weapons to go out there and really take it to that division because say the Dolphins have invested in the offense, the Bills are a level above everybody else, the Patriots are reloading. You know, you have to be able to keep up with this and have an offense that's going to be able to put up points with them as well. So They've got to go receiver for me. Garrett Wilson's the pick, although it could be any one of the other receivers. But I'm confident their second pick is receiver. All right. Um, I forgot to mention as well that Matt Corral was the pick for Ryan for Seattle at nine. Um, for my pick for the Jets at 10, so I've have they gotten have them taking Iki Aquanu at four. At number 10, Kyle Hamilton. Slides all the way down to number 10 for me. I am buying into the idea that Hamilton is slipping. I'm buying into the idea that the slip could actually be further than this. So I wonder whether this is going to pick. I, I understand Ant's point about wide receiver, and I think that that's a really viable choice here. But I think that Hamilton is the best player available on the board. And I also think that that's a position of need for them having taken tackle with their first pick. And now they go DB. So. We've already spoken about Hamilton, but I'm a big, big fan of his. Probably the smartest player in the draft, the most, the player with the most reaction time, sorry, least reaction time to things that happen there. So, yeah, I, I see Hamilton coming off the board here to the Jets, and they'll be they'll be absolutely laughing if they can pick him here. Moving on with Ryan's pick, he has gone for Derek Stingley Jr., which I think is going to be a really interesting pick. For the Jets, them having gone icky as well with the first pick for him. Tom is also going for Garrett Wilson. Yeah, nothing much to add, really. Um, There's a lot of talk about the Jets taking a receiver. I get it. At the same time, I I look at their depth chart. I don't see it as a pressing, pressing need. But I can see why they would do it. And Wilson is the guy who I think fits them nicely. And Luke, we're finishing off number 10 with you. I I feel bad because I think many people make a very good point about uh, about the cornerback and the other positions. However, I I think the Jets are sitting there with the idea that uh, they can't believe that they got a chance to repeat some things. And to me, that is a carbon copy of what was going on with the 49ers. I think this is where you see your first linebacker come off the board. I think they take linebacker Devin Lloyd here. I think they I think they feel much better about waiting uh, to get their cornerbacks and stuff. They have, for some reason, spent a lot of draft capital on cornerbacks and have gotten nothing in return. I think they're a little gun shy about it. And the fact that they've moved on from Bobby Wagner. Yep. I think they go. Uh, I mean, not Bobby Wagner. Um, uh Jared Davis, they said, you know what? We still want that guy that can that can blitz and somewhat uh, give us a little bit of that grit. Uh, and and he talked highly about. Him. I think they go Devin Lloyd here and they add their uh, linebacker of the future with confidence that hey, we can get our Fred Warner here. Love it. I love that pick very very much. It's still too high for me, but I don't really care about that in terms of positional value or whatever. It's a great pick. Um, Washington at 11 for you as well, Luke. I I believe that Washington is a little ticked off because everybody they they thought that they could get is no longer available for them. Realistically, uh, I I figure that they will want certain cornerbacks and stuff, but I think that you can see Washington do something 
that would be not to where I want to use. I think people would look at this and say, hey, what a great move by you. I think that they go out and they simply just say, you know what? We're going to take Derek Stingley Jr. and get us our cornerback here. I think they want some type of secondary help. They've already invested in every damn position in the front seven, minus that secondary. They try filling it in with people like Landon Collins and so forth. I think they say, you know what? We don't get our safety, but at least we got a cornerback. I'm taking Derek Stingley Jr. All right. Actually got to write that in, don't I? Stingley Jr. All right. Tom, you're going for your wide receiver two. Two coming off the board in a row with Drake London. Yeah, the run begins, I guess, in terms of receivers of which, similar to Ant, I think there will be a number go off. Uh, I, I just love the fit. Um, I think that they could do with a receiver. And if you look at their guys, so Terry McLaurin, six foot and under speed guy, Curtis Samuel, he's maybe 5'10", 5'11", speed guy. Diami Brown from last year at UNC, speed guy. Drake London gives them something completely different to their offense. And especially with questions at the quarterback position let's say with Carson Wentz and um it's called Taylor Heineke someone like London I think big target red zone target I think will fit really nicely with them we've got Ryan going for his first wide receiver off the board with Garrett Wilson I have also gone Garrett Wilson here so it's my first wide receiver off the board too you're absolutely right about the speed guys, and it's a point I considered a long time here as to whether they go Wilson or London. I think that they have a look at London's injury history and just decide that they'd rather take the better route runner, someone who's going to... I mean, maybe it's a bit of the same when it comes to Terry McLaurin, but a bit of the same in terms of being one of the better wide receivers in this league. I don't think they care. So I think they go for Garrett Wilson. And, and you're finishing off with Jameson Williams. Yeah, so whereas Tom's like tried to give them a little bit of depth when it comes to their receivers in terms of what they do, I've just gone for the full-out death-by-speed motion here. I, I love Jameson Williams as a fit here, I think. And not just because of the other guys around their relations aren't good with Scary Terry at the minute and them. I know there's talk that he might not be there much longer. There might be trade talks with him. So potentially long-term, he's going to be the guy there for them. I just think He's going to give them an outside option that's going to bring the speed downfield. I do think McLaurin and that can do all the all the little bits in the interior, etc. I just they're going to go wide receiver. Six of their last seven first round picks have been defense. They they need to give Carson Wentz weapons because let's make no bones about it. What they gave up for him, they are going all in with him this year. You know they've given up picks there. This isn't just a bridge guy who they're not going to give no options to help. They need to give him as many weapons as possible. And there are a lot of receivers in the first round talk here, so. It could be any of them again, but for me, I just like Williams. I think he's the long-term replacement for McLaurin, and he's just going to give them such burning speed down the field. And there's guys like Trayvon Diggs in that league who are just going to get cooked to hell by him. So I, I like the fit for them. Yeah, I see that very much. And we're sneaking back around with you, and this is where you take Derek Stingley Jr., um, yeah, so the Vikings have been trying to find a corner almost as long as we've been trying to win a Super Bowl, which has been some time. You know, they've missed so many times now on corners when it comes to the first round. We've just taken one of their outcasts on recently. Um, I think Stingley should not really be here. 
it's more the injury that would force him down to this point. But I think the Vikings would finally delight in taking him there. He looks really good. He looks like he's not lost a step in his pro day. Um, I just think positional value in front of him. No one's there's no real fit for him beforehand for me. Just other teams have more pressing needs. I think the Vikings are finally going to think that they've found their answer to their curse of drafting corners. They really need him. Makes sense for them. So hopefully it's the last time they have to draft a corner for a while in the first round. And he's the best guy there after Gardner's gone. So that's why I I have him there. I've also gone for Derek Stingley Jr. I don't see the Vikings going anywhere else if he's on the board, quite frankly. I think he fits their mold very, very well. I think that if he was healthy, if he played the full season, I think he would have been cornerback one. But he was robbed of that. And, you know, it is a concern, and that's why he falls to here. But I think that he's the guy with the skills to be the best cornerback out of this draft when it's all said and done, when the careers are written. He has the ability to be that wide receiver at cornerback in terms of all skills. He's right there. He's fast. He's twitchy. He's got great vision. You know, everything you want in a cornerback, Derek Stingley is. And maybe he went off the board in 2020 and 2021 a little bit, and that is concerning, but he's put it on tape. And you can't say this enough about people. There are some corners that are really athletic that perhaps haven't had the production, and you're just projecting for them. But Stingley actually has it on tape. And you know what? You're asking him to recapture it, but he's shown he is capable. And actually... The 2021 tape is nowhere near as bad as people think anyway, and and he's healthier now. So I'm happy with Stingley as a prospect, and I, I fear the Vikings taking him here. He gave up two touchdowns on his own in their only meaningful game he played this year. He's nowhere near his freshman form. I, I, I'd fancy him to continue the Vikings' run of drafting bad corners. I do hope they take him, or I don't fear it one bit. Fair enough. All right. Ryan is taking Devin Lloyd here. We're going to go to Tom, and he's also taking Derek Stingley. Yeah, I can promise, just so in case anyone's thinking otherwise, I did the mock draft in a mock draft machine without anyone else's up, so I'm amazed that all three of us have this. The player I'm most worried about them getting is Kyle Hamilton, to be honest. Um, I think there's a good chance he falls to this, and that would be panic. Uh, but they have an aging secondary. They've got Pat P coming back for another year. He's probably going to start for them, but not much behind them. Dan Slewood's a bit all over the place on the other side. And Harrison Smith's probably only got a few more years in him as well, or maybe not even that. Um, so they've got to rework that secondary. And I don't think the value was there at safety with Hamilton off the board. So, yeah, Stingley I would be worried about. I think if he can stay on the field, I would feel confident he's a top 10 corner in the league. Right, the only person who isn't going Derek Stingley at this point is Luke, because he went to pick 11, but a pick 12 for Minnesota. Luke G selects. George Carlaptis. I don't think they spend a pick on a cornerback at all this high. I think the fact that they've already got Dantzler, they already feel confident in Patrick Peterson enough to bring him back, and then on top of that, you figure that they're, they're going to be able to get some other people that's cool. But the real issue is, is this people like Anthony Barr is no longer there. People like uh, 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 the other Dean that they uh, that was crying to get out of Detroit to get over there. He's not there no more. And then they did bring in Zadarius Smith. But that tells me that they're going to keep Daniel 
with his hand in the dirt, Smith is going to be the stand-up guy. George Carletta is going to be the other stand-up guy. They brought in Harrison Phillips, uh, a D-tackle that I was high on out of Stanford, um, and to, to both the things. And I see them already in a position um, to say, you know what, let me find a way to keep getting after people. I think George Carletta is a perfect pick, but given the fact that who they got at corner for their one-two punch, they're thinking nickel at best uh, with an opportunity to go to the outside. I, I just don't think the cornerback position is that high. Fair enough. I can see that too. Um, let's wheel rounds then. Moving your picking first up at 13. Houston's come around again. They have needs everywhere, but where are you going? Well, for me, this is where my my first receiver come off the board. I think the Texans sit there and they, they've already they, – they can't believe that they was able to get the tackle that they need. They're going to give their quarterback more help because I, I can tell you right now, adding Brandon Cooks back to the roster was cool, but it's even better when you have a big target. I think they go Drake London here. Yeah. Love that. Love that fit. Makes total sense. What else can you say? Tom, Jermaine Johnson going at 13 to Houston. Yeah, so I had Houston taking a tackle up top, um, and I think they would love to swing back and get a player of Johnson's pedigree. So, I mean, they are horrible starting on defense, to be honest. Horrible. They don't have <laughs> NFL-level players, and yet they're going to be expecting to get seven, eight hundred, nine hundred 900 snaps out of these guys. Um, so it's partly talent, it's partly need. Uh, to a point, it's almost the best player available at this stage. Um, I think some people could see Johnson going in the top 10. Um, and I think he really isn't going to fall a huge amount lower than this. So I'm just having a look at who they actually have right now. Desmond so King. Jonathan Greenard and Kingsley Kiki are their starting edge rushers. And yeah. Kingsley's the washout from Green Bay. That's who their starting edges are. Just looking at their entire That's why defense. I've gone there. Me and, me and Tom oh. have thought exactly the same with this. I like our thought patterns. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> Not Houston, the same edge rusher. Houston go at 13 for Ryan. George Karlaftis. I also go for Jermaine Johnson. Best player available, as Tom has said. Ant is going elsewhere. He's going for George Karlaftis as well as Ryan. He's better than Jermaine Johnson, so it's not best player available for you. <laughs> so I'm gone. Sorry, I'm, I didn't mean that to you, Tom. I meant that towards Matt. <laughs> you do. We're gonna need to get some marriage counseling going. I know this is the most entertaining thing ever. I'm just like, no. From a, from a from a personal standpoint, I think Carlaftis is better than JJ, and I like the fit down there. He's you know he's coming from a team at Purdue where he was double and triple teamed a lot of the time but he's got the pass rush arsenal to be able to fight through it and i think again he's the best player available edge there for them they can't go into the season with kingsley kiki as a starting edge rusher or they're just not going to sack the quarterback all year and that's no good for them they they they're building you got to start on the trenches first they've got the tackle they've got the edge they're at least part way towards rebuilding that critical juncture for them I, I actually don't disagree in terms of Carl Aftis being the better player, but I think that they will see Jermaine Johnson as the best player available. When I'm drafting for these teams, I'm trying to beat these teams. When I'm saying the best player available, I think my best player available, I think their best player available. So I think that you. they will see Jermaine Johnson as the best player available. Uh, I don't know why. I'm just trying to get in the head of Houston, and I think, how can I just be worse than I should be? Um, no, that's not it at all. But no, Jermaine Johnson, I think, is going to be a terrific 
player at the next level. I think he'll be a better pro player than he was at college. And actually, to be fair, considering he's been sitting at Georgia all this time, the one year he actually has and starts, he does that well. The sky's the limit for him. I know that athletically he's not quite there yet, but all of these other edge rushers have been at least bit part or full-time players for a number of years, but Johnson hasn't. So I think that there's plenty of scope to say that he's got the most room for improvement, and he was bloody good last year. So that that's why I went for Johnson at that pick. I'm winding right. you up with that, you know. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, Oh, right. Okay. That just got personal. That just got personal. <laughs> right. Let's wheel it round. And you are taking Baltimore at 14. And you've gone for what I assume is the best player available with Jermaine Johnson. No, he's not the best player available, but he's the best player available for their particular need there. You talk about scheme fit and that. I think Baltimore like their long, rangy, athletic guys. I think Jermaine Johnson fits the profile of an edge rusher. They'll want more than Carl Aft. It's just like I think Carl Aft fits the Texans a little bit better. But I mean, again, Ravens are in dire need of an edge rusher. They've got like the 100-year-old Calais Campbell coming back for another year. But then opposite him, there's, there's very little there in terms of usable depth. They need a second guy to be able to go with him and to you know, to replace Campbell in the long term. And whilst the edges are still here, because there's got to be a run of them quickly, I think this is the place they need to go to start off here. They, they need they need a pass rusher. And for me, Jermaine Johnson fits the profile exactly of what they want. So it's a marriage made in heaven for them. And Carl Aftis and JJ both get their paydays, regardless of who's the better player. <laughs> right. I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to be the one to do it. Tyler Lindebaum comes off at 14 for the Baltimore Ravens. And to be honest, maybe the least surprising pick ever. They've got a glaring hole at centre. They have been linked with the Linderbaum all year, all off-season, I should say. He's going to be one of the best centres in the league from day one. Um, he can do everything. And maybe he's not the best fit at Baltimore. They run a slightly different blocking scheme to what he's been used to. But this guy's versatile too. I think that he's going to be able to pull off pretty much everything that's asked for him. Now, you look at PFF's war and you'll say to me, well, Matt, you love PFF so much. Why are you picking a position in the first round that contributes the least wins? And I'll say to you, Baltimore do not care about that whatsoever. They care about getting the best player available. And to be honest, Linda Baum, if you're talking best player available, should probably be taken much higher than this because he is exceptional at safety. And uh, sorry, at, at centre. Thank you, Pam. Um, so it's an obvious pick for them, for me. Right. Ryan is going for Andrew Booth Jr. I'm going to have to ask him about that. What? Uh, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. They must, they must have made marijuana legal there. And Ryan was like, you know what? <laughs> it's one of them days. One of them days. Yeah. It might I well must say be. though, I, I do like the Linda Baum pick though. I do like that. Love you too, Anne. It's good. I, uh, I was it was either that or edge, but you know, positional value. Yeah, I hear you, buddy. <laughs> right. Tom, you're going for the first interior defensive lineman off the board with Jordan Davis. Yeah, so Ravens Ravens I struggled with. I feel like they can go in so many different directions and what do the Ravens love? They love highly athletic players. And I just saw this as a really nice fit for a team which has run a 3-4 for forever. 
Um, they've got Michael Pierce back now, I think. So Davis isn't someone, there's a lot of questions around, is he going to be able to play kind of 70, 80% of snaps or whatever? He doesn't need to at first. He can learn behind Pierce, who they obviously like in the building. And I just think he he's someone who they could park in the middle of that defensive line for 10 years and, uh, and cause carnage in the AFC North. All right, Luke, we're finally at you at Baltimore at 14. Who's your pick? I'm agreeing with Tom. I think this is your first interior lineman. I think this is Jordan Davis coming off the board. The fact that they got Pierce back, they still added people like Derek Wolf, already still that's already there. But they're going to probably play around with them in between being at the nose tackle and, and out at the three tack. You'll see them moving around. And then the fact that they still invested already in a number of pass rushes. People forget one of the most uh, hyped up players that, that people, including myself, thought would be much better, like Jalen Ferguson is still there. Um, the, the Penn State uh, track guy who apparently that year, everybody ran a 4-3, always still there. So uh, I don't see them taking the edge rusher in that regard. Uh, I can see the interior guy that you talked about, but for me, it's Jordan Davis, the D-tackle. Uh, it reminds them of when they had Tony Saragusa, Sam Adams, and a host of other big people like Haloti Nagata or whatever his name is, Nada. Um, they've had literally always had somebody as big as a house in the middle of that defense, and he's going to continue that tradition. I loved Haloti Nata at the Lions. I thought he was exceptional while he was here, and he carried himself so well. I loved him. Anyway. Moving on, and we're snaking back round to you, Luke, for the first pick at number 15 overall, Philadelphia. We're picking here. Where are All you? Right. So, oh, wait a minute. Did somebody thing hang up or something? I think it was you. I don't know. No. no. Uh, that was me. That was me. Apologies. Oh. <laughs> e- 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 like, coming in. Ignore me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, did the, I The did pick I miss is in something? for Tom. It's been mailed in. And... <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think the Eagles are sitting up here and I think they're they I think the fact that they got Derek Barnes, not Derek Barnes, uh Derek Barnett, uh still got Graham. And I think that they've already invested in their linebacking core by Adam White. Um I think ironically, they go in a totally different direction. I think they go receiver, and this is where I got Garrett Wilson coming off the board. So I think they go receiver to try to get themselves some help. Uh, they obviously are stuck with that one guy named uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts, and I think that they they want to get themselves more help. Now, they got Jalen Rieger already. They already got Devontae Smith. But I'm, I'm looking at it from the standpoint that, hey, if I throw somebody in that slot, that's a problem. Yeah, and he, I think he'll be better suited as a slot receiver. I can see them going in that direction. So he'll be my pick at this at uh, 15. I, I love looking at the Eagles' depth chart because they have one good wide receiver and then five uh, wide receivers. It's just well, so awful. <laughs> I like Rieger. I think J.C. Arciago Whitehead, I think he's underdeveloped, but um, they they really looking for an inside guy. And they want somebody that can play inside that gives them options. And to me... That would be the pick. That makes the most sense to me. There was only there was only one other prospect that I had in mind, but I I just feel like if I'm them, I'm sitting there and Jalen and given the fact that Jalen Hurst need targets to throw to, yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Wilson. Just to fill you guys in on what I mean by five ugh guys, you obviously got Smith and I'm I'm happy with him. 
But then the other five, they have the starting wide receivers, ESPN do, have the starting wide receivers, Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal. And then they've got wide receiver four as Jalen Rager, five as Greg Ward, and six as J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And those five, for me, are just, like, so... Ugh. Like, whatever. Like, when people talk about replacement-level players, like, they are all replacement-level players for me. Like, you can get them off the street. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Tom, we're going with you. And... A run on interior defensive line. D tackle coming off the board here for Philadelphia. Yeah, so Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Georgia D tackles back to back. Um, the more I think about this, the more I think actually they would love Jordan Davis as well. Do you remember how much they wanted Lee McNeil last year and then were really mm. pissed off when the Lions took him? So athletic, kind of one tech who can play a bit three. Maybe Jordan Davis would be a, a lovely fit, but he's off the board. Uh, and this is a like-for-like Fletcher Cox replacement. Um, not like-for-like, and I think they'll be the same standard of player. I think Fletcher Cox is one of the most underrated players the last 10 years. Um, but he's getting old, and they need to replace him. They drafted Milton Williams last year, um, but I think Devontae White is a really nice natural fit for that scheme. Ryan is dipping in with Chris Olave. I guess he's kind of thinking along the same lines as Luke here with that pick, but I don't know. I am going to go for Andrew Booth Jr. So I know Luke's probably going to chastise me for that, given how he I'm, I'm not, the last time. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just think Booth is. I think Booth is need to be put in the booth. I'm going to just put it that way. I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not impressed with him at this point. And as much as I would love to say that, oh yeah, I'm so excited to see him. I, I've watched them them games, and I wasn't impressed with him or his running mate. So I, I just so wasn't. For, for me, I think that Philadelphia's biggest need is a corner. So I see them have Darius Slay. And I see Slay absolutely balling out. But I'm not sold by anyone else at that cornerback two position. So I think that's like their big, biggest position of needs. They kind of, their identity is being excellent on defense and passable on offense. But at the moment, there are just enough holes in the defense to make me think that they're not comfortable with that identity. And, you know, if there's a few holes in that defense... It doesn't really matter how good they are on offense. They'll get beaten where they're trying to be strong. So I think they need to fill that gap. I look at the cornerback room, and you've already got Amar Gardner and Derek Stingley off the board. But I think they're desperate enough there that they're going to actually take the guy at 15 because I think they fear that Booth is going to come off before then, uh, before, uh, before their next pick at 18. So Booth, I kind of tend to agree a little bit with Luke in that like he doesn't impress me much trying to channel um, whatever her name is. I think you know, that's, that's the one. Um, thank you very much. Uh, okay. But the thing that Booth does is that I think he's he goes about his business unremarkably. And that isn't going to get him much plaudits, but I think he just provides above average level play always without being flashy. And I think maybe you know, cornerbacks are prone every now and again to allow a big play. That is the nature of the position, but it's about minimizing that. And I think he does that as much as anyone in this class. It's just that maybe he doesn't have the ball production. And I think that Philadelphia are going to be okay with that, given what Slate can do. So I think he actually fits what they're looking for quite well, which is just someone who can do a job really well. And I think that's what he can provide. So that's Booth. I can't say too much more about that. 
we're going to finish off pick 15 with a pick that's really going to hurt and talk about Kyle Hamilton comes off the board at 15 for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a victim of positional value and all that, etc. I mean, before him, in fairness, most of these guys are tackles, edges. I think the needs for the teams who take the corners, it's like the Vikings, the needs much more at corner than it is at safety. Um, so, I mean, the Eagles have two picks in close succession. I think they can afford a bit more of a vanity pick here, even if it's not top of their list of needs. I think they just go best player available and it's him. And I think they're absolutely delighted they get him at 15. So it's my first one where it's really best player available. And they're delighted. Pairing with Slay. I'll cry some more. Sorry, someone's just said that song's going to be in their head all day now. And I'm just saying, so you're Andrew with Junior. That doesn't impress me much. Um, that don't impress me much. I do not like the lack of good English, but there we go. Right. Ant, we're swinging back to you, snaking it back to finish off the first half of the first round. New Orleans at 16. And you've gone for what I can only assume is is what um, Luke's been saying about the wacky backy being legalised, because you've gone for Bernard Ryman. <laughs> what is wrong with this pick? The Saints have lost to Ron Armstead, and they need a new tackle for the future. And I think, you know, they're in a fight with the Chargers to get one. They've already given up a lot of draft capital to Philadelphia to move up where they are. I don't think they possess the capital to move above the Chargers to pick six. I just think they're going to get outbid for it. The tackles have gone, so they let the board fall to them. I don't think Raymond's going to be gone, but he's more of a development guy to start with. But you're in a position where at New Orleans... You've got Ryan Ramchick, who's a hell of a great right tackle there. You've got James Hurst, who fills in for Teron Armstead when he's injured because he was an injury-prone player who did miss games. So you've got a steady guy you can have at left tackle there whilst you develop Ryman to be the left tackle of the future because the Saints aren't really ever going to pick high enough to go after the elite, elite tackles, in my view. I don't think they're going to really go there. I think they can afford... Again, with two picks in the first, they've got two glaring needs this year. Tackles the first one. They get Bernard Raymond. They develop him up. They've got the left tackle of the future. Leave Ramchick at right tackle. I think that makes a lot of sense for them, especially with the, the caliber of tackle who's going to be left when they pick again after. I just think they can afford just to sit him and develop him a bit, and they've got the guy to be able to do that in transition. For me, it makes sense. I'll just move on. And <laughs> you do. You do. I don't get my picks been scrutinized. I've done my research. Yeah, yeah. You're you're channeling Luke G there doing the research. Um hey, sorry, who won who won last year? Um da, that was me. Because how, I picked how Najee. many did you get who, right? Who, how you were the only one who didn't pick Najee Harris to Pittsburgh. Everyone knew that was coming. Well, because it was just a bad pick. I just didn't think that the Steelers <laughs> would be so stupid. The Steelers have been a consistent team of running the ball outside of every single thing. If you go through and look at their history, from Franco Harris all the way up to Jerome Battis, all we passed that to Willie Parker, and then to Le'Veon Bell, they have always fallen in love with the running back, and it's a reason for it. It's the reason why they've never had a losing season in a very, very long time, and it's because they have been consistently committed to running the ball. So, yeah, Najee Harris to the, to the Pittsburgh Steelers was, was the only pick that made sense. Thank you, Luke. All right. So, for me, the pick here is Jameson Williams for New Orleans. If I have a look at 
what they've traded up for. If you tell me that New Orleans have traded part of a farm, I'm not going to say the farm because that's harsh, but part of a farm for Bernard Ryman, I think you've gone nuts. They have. They haven't. The fact is they can't trade up. I don't think they're expecting all the tackles to go so early. And I don't think, you know, because you're not going to trade up to six for cross when you've already given up a first. You're going to have to give up more first. It's a hell of a price to pay for the third tackle. I think they've I think they've done that, but I don't think they're going to realise that their guy's going to be gone early before they can get to him. Maybe so, but I don't maybe... see them actually taking Ryman in this position, even if you're right. I don't. It's just so and much. That is your and that is your right to disagree. Yes, well said. So New Orleans, you have a look at their depth chart. You you know this already intrinsically because of how bad their play has been recently on offense, but they don't have any wide receivers. And so I'll go down their depth chart now. They've got Michael Thomas, who's taken... Is it zero snaps in the last two years? It's pretty bloody close. I mean, at this point, do you want to call it a career, Mike? Because it might be close. Their wide receiver two is Marquez Calloway. He's wide receiver three or four at the Lions, and the Lions are not good at wide receiver. Number three is Traquan Smith. I actually think he probably deserves to be the two. I quite like him, but you can't rely on him to be wide receiver one, and that's where they're at right now. And then you're getting into the proper unknowns. So, Spoiler alert, I said there was two big needs for them. Yes. I said there was two. Indeed. And I've addressed it. Fair enough. (laughs) Well... All I'll say is you've taken Philly with with Carl Hamilton, which leaves wide receivers a potential need for Philly, and New Orleans are going to see that. So, I don't know, man. But There's a lot of receivers. So, what what does Winston need to succeed? He needs a vertical passing offense. What does New Orleans not have? A vertical downfield threat. Jameson Williams is the best vertical downfield threat. This is an incredibly good fit. If Jameson Williams falls to 16... Even if New Orleans have traded up for a tackle, I think they have to go this way because you heard it about um, Burrow last year. Take Penny Saw, you can throw to anyone, but if you take the wide receiver, you can't get the ball to him. Well, he proved you can. Joke's on you guys. You know what? But did he? But he did, though. They got to be, but did he? I they mean, listen, yeah, listen, I, I, think, I think we're hyping up the idea that they made it to the Super Bowl. They were very fortunate and lucky to even get to the Super Bowl. No. And it took, it took, it took, really? Who did they no. really beat? It took, it took the Kansas City Chiefs to implode within themselves at the quarterback position. It took for uh, extra possession at one point in the one of those damn playoff games. And then they get to the, to the Super Bowl and, and it was Surf City. They, they Everybody teed off on that terrible offensive line. And when it needed them the most, they, they were only getting there because they were running the ball like crazy with uh, their running back tandem. So did he prove them wrong, really? Because when they needed to really throw the ball and they was in a position where they had to throw it, it was, it was a non-factor. I mean, so I see what you're saying. I do. But at the end of the day, when you do a playoff run, there are no teams that get to the Super Bowl without a slice of luck. So the fact that they managed to get there, I don't think necessarily means they've been luckier than any other team. And yeah, the Chiefs imploded a little bit. But I mean, Burrow's got balls of steel. I was so impressed by how he handled the entire thing. And 
you know what they've reloaded on the offensive line now because it's what they needed to do. But in terms of if New Orleans don't take wide receiver here, they're probably taking tackle and they're taking wide receiver later. I think Jameson Williams comes off the board in between these two picks if he doesn't go here. So now they're taking someone not as good of a fit with with the quarterback. I just think that Winston and Williams just make so much sense as a tandem and they'll deal with their other problem in three picks time. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not I'm not killing you on it. I just <laughs> I'm just, just telling you. No, I mean, if, if you're if you're being <laughs> honest, if you watch that season, he's the most set quarterback, literally. He was set repeatedly over and over and over. And that mm. sack stuff carried all the way over, literally, through the playoffs, all the way to the Super Bowl. And the only reason it was getting off was because he was willing to get hit in the face every time to throw the ball. That, that was the difference. Fact. Uh, Super Sion Lions has asked if anyone's taking Devin Lloyd, and the answer is yes. Luke G has. He took him at number number ten to the Jets. So there this we way, go. in real life, if he's still here at this point in the draft, I'm thinking of trading back up for him. I know it would get me fired as a GM, but I'm in the territory. I'd be straight back up for him if he gets to the end of the teams. No. Nope. Uh, Trevor Penning comes off the board from. Ryan, which is well and good, but he's not to explain himself. Charles Cross comes off at 16 to New Orleans, Tom. How's he fallen this far? Yeah, so run the card in pick. We've just discussed why they need um, tackle. Apparent, and again, like Cross, Cross seems like a guy in medium mocks was going pretty early. Is it PFF are really high on him? I can't remember. One of the publications is really high on him. Um, but everything you hear is that teams just aren't quite as high on him and there's a good chance he falls and penning and people go ahead of him. For me, if I'm New Orleans and Cross is sitting there, it's just a no-brainer. Fair. Right, Luke, we're with you. Final pick of the first half. Yeah, I um, I, I basically went the route of receiver. I, I I don't know what the hell's going on with Mike Thomas. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know if he's decided to come back. What's, what's, what's going on with Mike Thomas? And to me... They're looking at it knowing that they still have options coming up anyway. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. Y'all can kill me if you want. But I'm going to say that what they're going to do is they're going to take Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing is, is this. One of the things I recognize with James Winston is he has a big arm. It's not big for those little targets. And when they've had the big targets, he has been stellar and lights out. And if you go out and get them a target that's somewhat big and a guy like Johan Dotson, I think he has success. Plus, Johan Dotson does something that many of the other receivers don't do, uh, or at least some of the receivers I can name off the top of my head. He blocks. And I know that if they're running the ball or they're doing that trick stuff with uh, Taysom Hill, he'll at least put himself out there for the block. So I'm going with that pick as what they do with that first first after they traded up for him. They was hoping that somebody else would be there, but I think they go the route of Jahan Dotson. I like that. I think Dotson gets a lot of disrespect, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see him in the first round. Like I said, I figured, I figured people would go nuts, like, what did he just say? But I, it, no, yeah, I, mean, I like him. I just think he had a bad quarterback in college, which right. kind of limited what he could do, because Sean Clifford ain't the best. And I, I think that's kind of held him back a little bit on a Penn State offense where he's the guy he's produced all through his career. All right, so for me, it's too high for Dotson, but 
I like the fit because if, if the Saints are moving up and getting this extra first rounder because they think they're two really good players away from, from contending, which I don't see, but apparently is what they do, then he's like he's a high floor guy. He's pretty ready made. He can go in and contribute straight away. Now, I don't think he has the upside really compared to some of these other guys, but I think for the team fit, I really like it. Struggling to put into words how I think about this. Small, undersized, really good route runner, though. Despite the fact that his three cone was super bad, he's got really good agility and really good route running. So ignore what the Rasgrade says on him there. Good speed, but I'm struggling to see him translate in the NFL. I really think this is going to be someone who sees his 40-yard dash, thinks he's going to be really, really great, and is just disappointed. I, I think he's going to get buried by by good coverage guys in the NFL, which he didn't face often in college. Yeah, but I think the part that you're missing uh, with them is they have done they have done this before, where where the Saints have taken the guy who was the route runner. They didn't care about the forties, and when they took the guy who was fast with the forty, they didn't really yield much out of it. And I think this is why you watch them now go for those route running guys because they had more success with those guys. They had when they had more on they on they uh, Lance Moore. And they, 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 he was another one of those guys that people said, oh, he wasn't really all that fast, but he was a route runner. And then you, you keep going down that little route tree from Mike Thomas. Uh, they, you know, they want those route running people because they want to keep the separation in the routes. I don't see them looking at it and saying, hey, let me go for the big flashy guy with speed. Nope. You have to be able to run routes in the route tree, especially for a quarterback of Jamison Winston's caliber who's going to you know he's he's a he's a gunslinger too so he's going to throw a lot of balls up there and at that point you need somebody that's going to be able to get open to get him a a clear target in my opinion i'm just going to bite back on that he didn't face much competition there he played in the big 10 played against wisconsin played against iowa who have one of the best secondaries in college football played against ohio state who have five star corners and safeties coming out their ear that's um yeah that's so, so I think I'm not talking about relatively in terms of conferences. The Big Ten is, apart from the SEC, probably the best secondary kind of conference that there is. I'm biting back on the idea that secondaries are good at college at all. I don't I think secondary is one of those kind of positions that has one of the steepest learning curves when it translates from cornerback to the NFL. There's still, even in the Big Ten, plenty of players who are going to be five-star recruits at college who are going to bust big time in the NFL. And you see it all the time. So it's one of those things where even when they're coming against the creme de la creme of college, the difference is night and day between what you're facing in the NFL, for me. So this isn't me being down on the Big Ten. This is me being down on the NCAA, generally. Okay. Luke. Swing it back to you for the first pick of the second half of the draft. Chargers at 17, select who? I have my first interior lineman coming off with Tyler Linderbaum. I think that when you look at the Chargers, the Chargers right now, I cannot name you their their, their, their guards. I can't. I've tried this over and over. I look at who they have at running back. I look at who they have at quarterback, who they have at receiver and tight end. I can name a tackle, right? Like, we know I can name at least one tackle, Slater. I can't name a single Guard, and I think they fixed that problem with Tyler uh, Lindenbaum. 
I see that. So do you see him sliding over to guard? That, that's where you're putting him. I, I think that's where he's going to have to go. If he's Because I think when you look at this team, they're going to ask him to to be in the interior because they don't have that. They don't have the ability to just have a person say, hey, you're going to stay outside. We're just going to roll with, I don't know, Michael Schofield. Like, 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 who, like really? Like, <laughs> like, who are they, who are they planning on, like, keeping there? Like, they just feel so good. They, they added Brian Balaga. They've, they've added, uh, uh, what's the guy named, uh, Braden James. They've added, uh, Rashawn Slater. I, I just think he has to go to the car. He has to. So I've just looked up the depth chart for the Chargers, and I, I can't quite believe this. They have eight offensive linemen on the roster. That's it. Like, when you can have 90 players right now, they have eight offensive linemen. I, I think it's by design. They know that a lot of these guys are going to slide, like them and Green well, are going to slide. They've, they've got the best center in football. They've got the best, one of the best left tackles in football. It always helps when you've got your major positions sorted. Yep, sure. and now you add a guard to that mix, and you can do a lot of wonders. I mean, just look at what happened with Quentin Nelson. There you go. All right, Tom, you're next up, and it's Jameson Williams going to the Giants. Yeah, I love this fit. If I do say so myself, but it's what the team <laughs> would do. Uh, but if you look at their receiver room, and you talk about trying to build a basketball team, you've got Keenan Allen, one of the best, I don't want to call him a possession guy, one of the best route runners, um, could get open in a phone box. you then got Mike Williams, obviously can run, but more importantly, deep threat, big target. And then you mix it with a pure vertical guy, all speed, Jameson Williams. You get a guy who could go higher if he wasn't injured. Yeah, I, I just love it. And I think the my only hesitancy here is obviously Williams is coming off the injury and they might want a guy ready to go day one. But I think with a quarterback like Herbert, um, young guy like that, you're just you you want to make this Chargers offense a complete powerhouse. Bear with me a moment while I'm just readjusting. Some people are saying they can't see the picks, so I'm making us small. And that did not adjust the spreadsheet whatsoever. That's not good. Okay. Hang on a minute. Right. Who, 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 who did we get to on the uh, the Chargers pick? So you, Matt? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's on me now, yeah. So Ryan is next up, but we're just quickly saying his pick. That's Zion Johnson. So pretty much feeding into what Luke said there about guards, I imagine. For myself, I am going for Jordan Davis. Now, I think this is probably potentially the most mocked pick I've seen in the middle rounds. The Chargers kind of lack a little bit on the interior of the defensive line. They really need to stop the run because actually their secondary is really good. But they keep getting right. They've got Bosa, obviously. But apart from that on the line, it's okay. But it could do with a lot of improvement. That's secondary in terms of... Uh, sorry, Mac as well, sorry. So Mac and Bosa, but who's in the interior? There's no one in the interior. Sebastian Day they bought in from uh, the Rams. He's decent. He's decent. Exactly. Jordan Davis could be exceptional. He could be the final piece in this defense. In a 3-4, if you're starting Davis and, and Mack and, and um, 
Bosa, you know, that, that could be one of the best defenses in the NFL. So I think this is a pick where they have to go interior defensive linemen. I I see the problems at guard that they have, but I also think you can address that further down in the draft. I know the drop is pretty big, actually, uh, from the first round guys further down, but I think at guard you say, oh, well, I don't really care. Right tackle, center, left tackle, which is kind of the route that Detroit have gone, and I think it's worked quite well. Um, those are your key picks. So Jordan Davis, for me, is, is a bigger chain mover. Not chain mover, but... Um, the guy is going to provide you more wins. That's the best way to put it for me. Anyway, Ant, we're going with you. And you, so this is not the Chargers pick now because of your trade. This is the Carolina Panthers pick. Uh, it is. Uh, just for the record, before I did this trade and I had the Chargers on the clock, I picked Jordan Davis as well if they ran out of tackles. Yeah. So Love we, thought, we thought we thought alike on that one. I do, I do agree with you. But yeah, um, Panthers are on, obviously, they've traded with the Chargers. Very easy. If they're not going to take a quarterback at six, they're not going to take one at 17. They'll not be sold on the guy, otherwise they take him straight away, as your your best friend Jeremy Reisman would say. You don't take them early, then you don't take them late either. No point in it. So I would have them taking a tackle if they were at six. They're not. They're at 17. The tackles have gone, so I'm going to change to the rest of the line that they need to sort. I'll give them Zion Johnson, the best guard in the draft for me. Um, going to be an integral part of that rebuild. They've already got Taylor Moten at right tackle, who's an absolute bulldozer there, who's played really well. So you've got one of your tackles locked up. You've got one of your guard positions locked up. You're building for the future. And at least for this year, anyhow, you give Sam Darnold half a chance to live and make some passes. So it's easy for me. I'm just going then building the line again. He's the best lineman available at this stage. Fair. Right. Swinging back round to you at Philadelphia at 18. Yeah, um, right. So I've picked Devin Lloyd. Uh, that's just, they get they get the draft I want. I want Carl Hamilton. I want Devin Lloyd in the first round. They look into getting this again. Lloyd's only here because of you know needs for other teams, but they fit the Eagles this time. They might not need the safety. They might not need Hamilton. It might be the best player available thing, but they need a middle linebacker and they're going to get the best one in the draft. This guy has Luke Keithley potential. He can do everything in his game. I absolutely love him to death. If you need him in coverage, if you need him to rush the passer, you know, you need a leader on that defense. He can do everything. And the Eagles just win this draft here and there by taking him. I love the fit for them. Exactly what they need. Yeah. Eagles, you've had a really good mock draft as far as I'm concerned. Hamilton and Lloyd can't hate that. Right. Moving on for me, and this is where George Karlaftis comes off the board. And to be honest, I feel ashamed that he's kind of fallen this far. Um, one of the best producing edge players in this draft, I think his pass rush win rate is joint first along with Kayvon Thibodeau at around 40%. And Philadelphia, have a look at what they've done. They've got Andrew Booth for me at 15, which is a pick I think they really need to make. And at this point, you're thinking they might need to take wide receiver or something like that. Maybe the edge is not the, the biggest thing they need to do right here. But he's fallen this far. And I don't think they can resist taking someone to bolster that line. They see their identity in the trenches. They have done for a long, long time. And if you have a look at who they've got at the moment, like you said before, they've got Cox and Milton Williams in the interior. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat on that edge area. I actually think that Carl Aftis can come in and kind of 
rotate in a multitude of positions there. I actually think it could take some reps at D-tackle instead of Milton Williams and rotating there, but also rotating for any one of these edge guys when they want to take a rep off. And it might actually see him having near starter reps at multiple positions. So I think they get one of the seals of the draft here at 18 with George Karlaftis. We're going to move on to Ryan, who's picked Jordan Davis here, which I think makes all the sense in the world. He's going to be a like-for-like -like Fletcher Cox replacement. If I'm trying to channel what Ryan's thinking here, um, kind of learn for a year, maybe even go alongside Cox and, and supplant Milton Williams. And Cox and Davis is a very scary prospect on the inside. Let's move on to Tom, and you've also gone for Devon Lloyd. Yeah, and this is partly because. I'm struggling to find anywhere to take him and someone's got to take him at some stage, partly need. However, like Eagles fans have been shouting for five, 10 years, asking to get a linebacker and Harry Roseman just never does it. He never takes a linebacker. So normally I would just say, no, the Eagles never take linebacker. It doesn't happen. But Devin Lloyd dropping this far, being such a fit, it ticks best player available it ticks so many boxes for them that yeah I, I just I think it's a, a solid pick and the thought of oh my god Kyle Hamilton and, and Devin Lloyd in your pick for all, for all the people and I agree but all the people who are like I'd never accept 16 and 19 from the Saints for two or something like that if you walked away with Lloyd and uh, uh and Hamilton for 15 and 18 then I think people would run that to the bank give it up in a heartbeat yeah, yeah. 100%. Right, Luke, you're finishing us off at 18 here for Philly. All right, so obviously I decided that the Eagles needed a, a little bit of assistance uh, at the uh, – I really took a receiver at that pick, right? Mm -hmm. All right, and so now I come back around, and I think that at this point they've had enough. They are absolutely in love with Darius Slay. They feel what's going on with Darius Slay. They're like, hey, this is, this is us living our best life. And I think that at this point – they're going to follow suit uh, in that regard and try to bring on someone who can match Darius, uh, Darius Slay's play. So I have them selecting cornerback Kyrie Am from Florida. Mm. So I think I think at this point you're talking about them getting another guy who's who's way way beyond the five foot ten, five foot eleven stature. I think he's like six two, six one, six two, somewhere in that area. Um, uh, I know he ran a, a very fast 40, and we know that if it's anything that these fans, like Lions fans in particular, fast 40s is one of them. And he ran a 4.39 to be a Zach, so I had to quickly look that up. But I think they go on the route of this to get somebody to go just as uh, – as just to get somebody to, to play just as well as Darius Slade on opposite side, so that way they're not getting beat deep because that was a huge problem for them. Ash Soden has gone mad in the chat because he hates that you picked a Florida player when he's a Seminole fan. And all I can say to Ash is, <laughs> suck it, this happens. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, I'm I'm going with I'm going with the trends and how history has played out before. So I'm a little different in way the way I view this board. Mm. All right, New Orleans at 19. So here's here's the spot where I I feel like the Saints who have already added themselves a receiver weapon, uh, I think they are really going to try to work themselves a little bit with Jameis Winston. But right here on this particular pick, I have them going in a direction that many of you had them going before, which is offensive tackle. Uh, I think that they go in the direction of Trevor 
Penny. Penny? Does that his name right? Penny? Penny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Penny. Yeah. Yep, that's his name. I have them taking Trevor Penny at this point right here to shore up their offensive line uh, because they're going to need it. It's just direct. They just need it. They need it. We know they need it. But I, I think they just couldn't pick up their receiver. Yeah, I'm right with you. I know exactly how you feel. Tom? Yeah, so similar to the Jahan Dotson pick earlier for the Saints from Luke, uh, they need a receiver. I think they want a more pro-ready receiver, which is why for me it's Chris Olave. Um, I think given who's left on the board, the fact he can play inside and outside, um, and the fact he's probably, in my opinion, the most pro-ready guy means that he's the pick. I may as well just let Tom announce my picks as well at this point. We seem to be quite similar. (laughs) Ryan goes with Jamison Williams, who lands here. And along with Penning at 16, that feels like a really good back-to-back. Myself, I do exactly the same as Ryan, but in the other order. So I go Williams first, and then Penning comes off the board here. Mr. Nasty. And then as uh, as Ant has alluded to already, Alave comes off the board at 19 for you. Yeah, he's the most polished route runner of all. I think they'll want the pro-ready guy to come in and link up with Williams. And I think similar kind of guy to who's I'd throw into him at college with Stroud. So I, I, I think it makes sense for them. Mm, I, uh, I agree. Like there. I agree. All right, Pittsburgh at 20, Ant. Yeah, so I've gone completely different to the rest of you here. I already know that I have. I've not gone quarterback with them. I don't know why. I just think... There's a sneaking suspicion that I think they're going to give Mitch a try. You know, the league were high on him. A lot of teams did want him. They've given him a decent enough amount of money to go there and do it. And I think that if you're going to give him a go again, you have to you have to give him weapons. I know Kenny Pickett's a fancy pick here to go for quarterback, but I'm giving them I'm giving them a receiver again. They really need a receiver. They've lost Juju and Washington in free agency. They're left with Deontay Johnson. Um, I think of the other one as well. I can never remember his name, but they, they do really need a receiving threat. So I've put Drake London here, going to give Mitch a fighting chance of being able to go and produce there. You know, he's a big physical guy. I think he fits the Pittsburgh Steelers mold, the type of receiver they want, the big, tough, you know, man of steel type guy who's going to go there and play hard. The guys at USC, we know from Amon Ra, they play tough. They are tough. That's the mold they come in. So, I've given them Drake London and, you know, I guess what Pittsburgh were going to do last year. So I'm, I'm the Pittsburgh aficionado, as it were. Anthony, oh, Anthony, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about this, but they still get Clay, uh, Chase Claypool, right? They've got Claypool and they've got Deontay Johnson. And they got Deontay Johnson, right? And didn't they bring in, that didn't they bring in, uh, then, uh, they got that other guy uh, who was doing really well for them and, and filling in uh, Miller. Uh, Anthony Anthony Miller. Miller. They got Anthony Miller from the Bears, but I'm still not sold. I still think there's a number one need in there. Claypool's done all right and Johnson's done all right, but they've never been consistent in their play. I, I just okay. don't. I've not seen the consistency there. Again, you know, Claypool runs your outs inside. Deontay Johnson runs down all at the middle of the field. I think London gives you the outside guy that you need there really to push it. And, and like I said, they could easily go quarterback here. It's just I'm not sold that teams are going to really like these quarterbacks. I think you have to give Mitch a chance to succeed because if they can do that, they don't need to worry about quarterback next year. Right. I, I'm not breaking the mold because Pittsburgh are taking a quarterback in this draft. Now, the one they love in Malik Willis has gone 12 picks before now for me. 
but they are taking my number one quarterback in this draft, which is Desmond Ridder. Um, the Steelers need someone who can come in right now and play because this team is good. Like, you have a look at the entire team, and it's ready to go. It just needs a quarterback who can step in and operate the offense right now. And Desmond Ridder has got the ability to do this alongside Tomlin, who I think can, you know, whisper in his ear and kind of help him along as a rookie. I think Ritter has got the athleticism to operate in this offense. I think he's got the arm to operate in this offense. And you know what? At the end of the day, Trubisky's contract reminds me of um, the guy currently at the Jags who was signed at the Bears before Trubisky got signed, uh, before he got drafted. Oh, was Sorry? Fold. Before no. Trubisky. No, so um, at the Bears they signed... Oh. Didn't they have Chase Daniel? No, they had Chase Daniel's oh, backup. the guy player. with the really long neck. Um, <laughs> Who's the, really, who the guy with the really long neck? Um, Glennon. That's who I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> Mike, yeah, Glennon. Mike Glennon. <laughs> so, so they signed Glennon to like a two-year, $30 million deal or something to be a starter, and then they drafted Trubisky straight away. Glennon, mm. I think, had two games, and then he was done. And the Trubisky deal reminds me of that deal so much. Like, it's a deal you've signed for someone where... Like, on the day, if you don't go quarterback, you're not like, you, you don't have anyone. Like, at least we have someone. But you're really looking to replace him straight away. And you have a look at the wide So Ant's just highlighted the wide receivers, and maybe they are lacking a wide receiver one, and they're a team of two wide receiver twos and a three. But I think that's good enough. I mean, so Ritter comes in, he can throw to them. He's got Harris behind him. Fryer moved to throw to, uh, throw to at tight end. The offensive line's okay, it's not great, but it's good enough. And that defense is ready to contend, but if they don't take a quarterback right now, Trubisky will doom them to 9-8. and eight. And then they'll be picking in the exact same spot next year. If Ritter comes in and he busts big time, you get a pick better than where Trubisky's leaving you. But if he comes in and does well, sky's the limit for them. So I think this is a pick that really defines where their season is going to be and takes them out of mediocrity. So I, I that's where I see them going with this one. Ryan has taken Kenny Pickett. I guess it's kind of a similar sort of thinking with that, but he's gone corral way up. So he's gone. Willis has gone. Pickett's the next guy up. And Tom, you've also gone for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, similar rationale. I mailed this one in a little bit because I'll be honest, just whenever I think of the Steelers, I just think they need a quarterback. So um, Pickett, natural fit, obviously played at Pitt, could see it if they want a quarterback. If they don't go quarterback, guy that I potentially like for them is someone like Dax Hill. Um, they've obviously got Minka Fitzpatrick, who plays almost predominantly free safety for them. So a guy like Dax, who can is versatile, can obviously run him down, play him in the slot, etc. I think would be a nice fit for a team with a really good defense. But yeah, quarterback was the the easy pick here. Luke, you're finishing us off. Yeah, I I I'm breaking the mold with Anthony. I I've watched this man give a guy named Dustin Duck a shot at quarterback. Surely he's going to give Mr. Trubisky a shot. Um, so I I just I have a hard time believing that they're pressed to go out and find a quarterback when this draft is going to have some people that's going to fall just simply because of injury, like strong, I'm going in a little bit of a different direction because again, just looking at this team, 
and following history of this team, the Pittsburgh Steelers has always done one thing and one thing only. That's made sure they had defensive players. And right now, uh, as, I, as, as the only Lions fan in a Pittsburgh Steelers family, I have a hard time naming the Pittsburgh Steelers corners. I think they go Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington here. I, I think they, they have to get somebody that can come in and help uh, stop some of the bleeding because it was times where uh, TJ would get home and it didn't matter. Again, people forget when all these people who want the pass rusher, the Steelers have 55 sacks. Don't get me started on their pressure rate. But that's another story. Um, people were still dotting them up because they could just throw the ball up. Those cornerbacks had no clue where it was at. I think Trent, Trent McDuffie fixed that problem for him, and uh, I suspect that that would be the direction they'll go. I like the pick. Yeah, 100%. So they're cornerbacks. Levi Wallace, who I actually quite like. Justin Lane who I actually don't know anything about, and Akello Witherspoon behind that. Not that great. All right, moving on to New England. And Luke, you're starting us off. All right, this is where it's going to get crazy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think New England is sitting there and they're like, we don't have this, we don't have that. And I, I wanted to do a trade here, but I said, you know what? Outfit. What if they can't get the trade? Who would they take? And for me, the answer is simple. They're going to go in the route of safety. Safety. I suspect that they're going to go out. I know. I know. Seems crazy. But I suspect that they're going to go out and fall in love with Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. And I'll explain why. When I go through and I I look at the New England Patriots last year, um, who, again, they had all the things you can look at. You know, you figure that, oh, they got these people. They got... They got uh, a few notable people. The one thing that you cannot do outside of McCourty is name all them damn people. Now, they did invest that money into Kyle Duggar, but with Brisker brings them as somebody they can put in the box as a safety as well. And he nobody knows how to make people play out of position like freaking uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, I originally was getting ready to go Dex Hill on this pick uh, because of his, his ability to play that slot corner spot. But I think overall, Brisker just fits what they're doing. I think he wants to have those people that he can mix it up with, move them all around, and still have some success. So I'm taking um, uh, Brisker here. I know that Ant probably will like that pick, given your love I love Jaquan. Br- I know I don't, because I want Jaquan Brisker to fall to us if we don't get Hamilton. So <laughs> I agree, he's a wonderful player, though. Wonderful player. All right, Tom, you've gone for... Whoa. <laughs> yeah. We said things were going to get crazy. So, you know, I was, I was running down my draft and I was like, yeah, that guy makes sense. And that guy makes sense. I'm like, the draft never makes sense. Um, so the, the Patriots notoriously, Tom Brady aside, for the last 10 years, especially notoriously poor drafting team, normally reach on guys a little bit like Seattle at this kind of time. And I made a prediction a while back about Georgia linebackers and how I didn't think that Kobe Dean was going to be the first Georgia linebacker off the board. So I have them taking Quay Walker, which for me is too high, but I could absolutely see Bill Belichick falling in love with a big, fast, strong, powerful guy he can line up really wherever he wants. Um, so I like I think it's a nice team fit. I think it's too high for him, uh, but I could absolutely see Quay Walker going in the 20s and being prioritized, especially with a team like the Patriots. They're not taking the Kobe Dean, that's for sure. Um, and I don't have the Patriots roster in front of me, but I struggle to think of many linebackers. They've got Bentley, they've got Tobai, but they don't have a load of guys there. So 
it's someone where I think they could gamble on a guy like Walker and, and hope he's going to be their, their high tower for the next five to ten years. Do they not have Jamie Collins anymore? Has he gone? Uh, good point. Well, they get they they. I'm pretty sure they still get Matt Judon. I don't I don't know if Jimmy Collins is still there or not, but I know that uh, I know that they've made a few investments at that linebacker position before. Uh, they took Josh Uche, you know, uh, mm. to to help them out. However, I do like the idea. In my opinion, I do like the idea of Quay Walker because to me. If ever there was a guy who is similar to what they have done with people like Mike Vrabel and and, and Willie McGinn, he would fit that mold. And if it's one thing I know about this man, he seems to love to tap into the well of what that is known as Alabama. So I like the idea of that pick, um, which I'd have thought of that. That's a good pick, actually. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of love for for that pick in YouTube and Twitch. So there we go. Fan favorite Quay Walker going to the Pats 21 for Tom. Ryan picks Traylon Burks here. So breaking the mold for, for the Pats and taking another wide receiver in round one. Um, I could do a lot of things for the hem. So I don't, I don't do that at all. Yeah. I really like that. Wide receiver yeah. for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I, you know what? I think the only reason he took a receiver that high in the first place was because he got tired of the fans pitching a bitch about it. And look what happened. He is not, history-wise, he is not known for taking receivers in the first round. But I will say this about Bill. He's not someone to let the the crowd dictate what he's going to do. And I don't think he's one to kind of look back at what's happened in the past in terms of busts and hits and let that affect his judgment either. So... But yeah. but he but he brought in but he brought in Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. He still got Matthew Slater. Yep. And why would he then? And then he's he's I don't think he's giving up on the kill Harry. But Kendrick Bourne is, was performing for them somewhat. And and I don't know. So I I think um, in, I think in kill Harry is going to get cut. I don't think he sees out the remainder of his contract. I don't think he gets traded for either. I think they just cut bait. But Aguilar's still there. Myers is still there. Bourne is still there. They got Ty Montgomery as well somehow. Um, so I don't know. I like the so between Myers, Parker, and Bourne, I think the Burks could be the best wide receiver in that group. So I think it's an upgrade. But a safe, a safe pair of hands for your second-year quarterback as well. Who, let's be honest, doesn't have a huge amount of help. Lots of middling guys, but. Like a burst could become a star, and then suddenly you've got a, a QB receiver star. So, yeah, I kind of like it. I've gone for Trent McDuffie here, cornerbacks. So, I have a look at their defense, and I see Malcolm Butler and Jalen Mills, but I don't see JC Jackson. And, you know, Butler's fine, but I think he's actually fallen off a little bit now. I don't see him in that upper echelon of player. Jalen Mills is fine, but I, I've Kind of feel like he was better at safety. And I know they have Adrian Phillips and Devin McCordy there, but and they got Jabril Peppers too. So there's there's a lot of versatility in the, in that safety room. But I just think that McDuffie's going to be an upgrade over both of those cornerbacks in that room. I mean he's gone higher in a few of our drafts already, but I think it's PFS number eight overall player as well, falling to twenty one here. I think it's actually lower than than the consensus 
grade as well. And it's just a piece I think that Bill's going to enjoy having. That defense is uh, is stacked. And I think they're just going to add to that and double down on their strength. So move on to Anthony finishing off at pick 21. And you've gone for guard Kenyon Green. Yep, so I'm going to leave this short and sweet because we've talked a lot. I like, I like the chat about the Patriots, but you've all missed one big glaring hole with them so far. What do Green? What do New England like to do more than anything on offense? They like to run the football. It's a staple of what they do. You saw them when they ran it down the throat of the Bills last year when they were playing. They love to run the football, and they have lost both their starting guards in free agency this year. Shaq Mason went to Tampa Bay. Ted Karras has gone to Cincinnati. I believe he's gone to take over there. Now, Michael Onwenu's back at right guard, but he's been injured for a long time. And they have a massive gaping hole at left guard that needs to be filled. They need an offensive line that allows them to run the ball. And there's no depth there for them at the minute to accompany that. And I think it's one of the staples of their attack. It's what they do. I think that they go early and they get their guard and they re- they reload on that offensive line. Kenyon Green is the big one because Sion Johnson's gone. I do like Kenyon Green not as much as Sion Johnson, but he's big, he's physical. I think he fits exactly what they want to do, and he's going to allow them to carry on running that football. Um, so for me, that was um, that's the way I'm looking at it. Running the ball's big for them, and they need the line to do it. Fair. Can't argue with that. And you've taken him away from Green Bay, who pick at 22, and, and you've gone for Devontae Wyatt. Yeah. Packers need a wide receiver, but we all know their history. They like to go in the second round. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson. They seem to hit a treasure trove of wide receivers there. I don't think they're going to spend the first pick on it. One place they have always neglected, apart from Kenny Clark, is the interior of that defensive line. Kenny Clark's one of the best nose tackles in the business, but they've never surrounded him with guys to help there. They've always gone for the edge instead. And I think with teams going around for positional need for edges and all that going before, Devontae Wyatt fits the mold better. Obviously, I still got Jordan Davis on my board, but he's more nose tackle. They've already got one with Kenny Clark there. I think Devontae Wyatt, he plays more at the three tech. You you line him up alongside him, bring a real disruptive influence that likes. Kenny Clark's going to take on over double teams. Devontae White's going to be able to get into those single one-on-ones and help bring in pressure from the interior whilst they've got the guys like Rashawn Gary and that coming from the edge. It's a Packers thing to do to go on their defense with the first round. The interior has been neglected for a while and with two picks this year, I think they finally go for it. So Wyatt for me makes sense for them to pair with Clark. Love the pick. Love the pick. But I can't do that. And actually, for some reason in my draft, Drake London has fallen all the way to 22. And at the end of the day, they don't have a wide receiver two on the field that I feel comfortable with. So you've got to try and address wide receiver for me. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them double dip at wide receiver in the first round, which would be a real change from what Rodgers is, is used to. But I do think that the way that Rodgers came back I think he's going to have a massive say in who's being drafted, and you know what he wants. You know what he wants. So if London's available, I think they run that pick in. He actually provides something that they desperately, desperately need, which is that big body on the outside. Ryan is also going for Drake London. Great minds. Tom, you're going for Carl Aftis. Yeah, it's a good thing that Ant has left. Uh, I hope he doesn't hear this or he's kind of away from his computer. You, you probably too as well, so I'm sorry to both of you. But I mean, Carl Aftis has fallen all this way. Um, and, I mean, the talent's too 
too good to pass up, especially with Zadarius Smith moving on. They've obviously got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, am I right in saying? But behind that, I don't think there's a huge amount. And so whilst it isn't a glaring need, it's a, a really top-end player. And it just feels like one of those picks which the Packers could end up making. And um, it will be a fun battle watching him go up against the Lions um, tackles for the next few years. But it is not what I would want to see. Luke, did you want to blow back on that a minute? No, just, no, just you know, it, it's okay. I, You know... I think I think it's one of the things as Lions fans we have to, have to keep in mind that whoever we don't take, our rivals can't take. So keep that in mind when you're making those picks. Um, I mean, because at one draft, there's an opportunity where Barry could have ended up being a Green Bay Packer and not a Lions. Just keep that in mind. But I disagree with him on them taking a edge rusher. I think they've invested enough into that position with Rashawn Gary. They've turned around and added some a few other people in free agency. Honestly, I, I'm agreeing with you on this, Matthew. They're, they – they basically just sold the farm for, for Aaron Rodgers. They traded away freaking Devontae Adams. There's no way they're going to come with this pick and decide to do anything other than wide receiver. And unfortunately for our fan base, I think there's a better, uh, there's, there's a bit of a, a more scarier pick coming right here. And I'm going to take Arkansas receiver Traylon Burks. Um, I, I just don't see how they don't take somebody that can, that can do so much with the ball. So Traylon Burks would be my pick here. That was the other guy for me. So it was between those two because Burks is still on the board on my side. And I was like that. I mean, either one of those I'd be not happy with. Hey, we're we going to have to deal with some stuff. So yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, we've got to beat the best, right? So That's true. That is true. So like I said, it's one of the things where unfortunately, you know, we we can get better, but people are going to get better with us. I mean, I think it's an unfortunate pick for the for the Packers in terms of they have some wide receivers, they're just not very good. And Randall Cobb operates best from the slot. Amari Rogers operates best from the slot. And Traylon Burks operates best from the slot and presumably takes both of those guys' places. So you're going with Lazard and Burks and, and then Cobb or Rogers as like a bad outside guy, I would say. I don't think that either of them really have it to... To play out there. I love Burks for the Packers in terms of fit, but just there's so much redundancy in the pick for me. Yeah. I mean, it is fair. Um, I think that's a fair uh, you know assessment, but they don't have anyone. <laughs> you 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 can't pay that man that kind of money and tick him off again. You did it once, twice. Three times just might be, you know, SOL, you know, not saying more lines, but shit out of luck. So just saying, you know, I don't I don't know if they want to play that game. I just don't. Fair, fair. All right. You're next up as well for Arizona's pick at 23. I think Arizona started a trend where they was attempting to do something that they they wanted to. I know that they went out last year and they drafted Rondell Moore, but they was hoping that Moore and Isabella in the slot would be a, a cancer to people. And they went out and they added people like A.J. Green, who gave them somewhat of a of a second option to DeAndre Hopkins, but he was not uh, much of a threat enough to take the pressure from Hopkins. So I think they come back and fix that problem with a speedy receiver who's not only speedy but big. I think they go Christian Watson, North Dakota State University wide receiver. They have literally drafted every year fast people. I just don't, I don't get it. That's but that's what they've been doing. Oh, 
23 overall for Christian Watson. Yep. I mean, listen, I think I think I think they wanted Traylon Burks, but at the end of the day, Green Bay was like, hold my beer. And they was like, okay, we'll hold it. And they need somebody who can take the top off while still being a big target for little bitty old Kyler Murray back there. So to me, Christian Watson fits the bill perfectly. That's a that's a nickname he's gonna love, itty bitty. Um <laughs> Tom. Just saying. Arizona. Um, so the Cardinals have taken a corner. So when we did one of our seasonal wrap-ups, there was a guy uh, we were trying to, I think, Matt, you put together something in terms of the players who delivered the most value for their draft slot. And there was a guy that none of us got. And it was Marco Wilson um, for the Cardinals. So fourth rounder, he obviously played loads of snaps for them last year, but um, don't see as a future star. So I have them taking Trent McDuffie. Um, he is not the biggest. He's not the fastest, but he is very well-rounded. He's very technically sound. I'm personally not hugely high on him, but apparently, well, every, everyone else seems to be. And so I can happily admit I'm wrong if he pans out. And he seems like a, a really natural fit here. Right. Ryan is going Jermaine Johnson, who's fallen all the way to 23 here. I am going for Kair Elam, so I'm very much going down the realm of what Tom was thinking, but I, I McDuffie's already gone for me. This is the next safety on the board, and I actually think Elam's undervalued at this point. I mean, you go back a couple of years, he was a top-five pick into this draft. Come into the start of this season, he's kind of fallen a little bit, but he's still in the top half, and now suddenly he's all the way out at the first round on the consensus board. And this is a massive overreaction. The guy has got the speed, he's got the height. You've heard Luke wax lyrically about him before when taking him for the Philadelphia at 18, and I, I totally buy the argument there. But he falls to Arizona here at 23 for me. And, and you are finishing us off for Arizona if I can fix the spreadsheet. And you're going what for Tom Trent said again as well. Yeah, what there we Tom go. said again. I mean, it, it's it's it, he's he's. I don't know. We've done these independently of one another. All I can think of, me and Tom think very similarly on the lines. But yeah, Wilson and Byron Murphy got cooked for fourteen touchdowns last year. You know, Wilson was responsible for eight, which was most out of any cornerbacks there. Murphy got done for six. They need a cornerback, something chronic. And McDuffie's the best corner I've got on my board at the minute. So, all the sense in the world to take him. Now, and- now, just, just, just for references, though, I'm curious because a lot of times I try to remember who was taken in free agency, who was taken in what spots. And I know y'all both named corners, but didn't they add a corner or am I tripping? Didn't they, didn't they add somebody like wasn't, then they, they drafted somebody or they added somebody. I can't remember who the hell it was. Let, let, so their depth chart has Murphy, Wilson, Jace Whitaker, Breon Borders, Jeff Gladney, Nate Brooks. That's the guy. Gladney, yeah. Gladney's the guy. You don't think they give him a shot? I think maybe a shot, but, I mean, he hasn't really shown anything so far, apart from, obviously, off-field troubles. But was, was, <laughs> he, in, was he in Kansas City before, I want to say? But he didn't really do a huge amount. I thought, of he, was on the, I thought he was on the Vikings. He was, he was drafted by the Vikings, then he was cut. And then I yeah. think, did he play for the Chiefs last year, or am I making that up? I can't remember the order in which it was. I know he was on the Vikings then. He was drafted Vikings, Vikings but he's, he's just never really done anything. 
But it's not even just Gladney you're putting under the scope. When the starting corners give up 14 touchdowns between the pair of them, their job's got to be a threat as well. McDuffie's not yeah. coming in to replace Gladney. He's coming in to replace one of them two. Yeah, that was safety play too on top of it, though. I mean, you can only yeah. ask the corners to do so much, and the safety play was suspect. But I'm just, I was curious as to like, like, because I'm, you know, but I can see it. I guess you're talking about getting a third corner, but I don't see him taking Murphy's spot. So maybe he takes Wilson's spot. You know, who knows? Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Um, so Gladney, he was cut after his indictment for domestic violence on the 3rd of August 2021 and sat out the entire year was found not guilty on the 10th of March and then signed with the Cardinals six days later. So no team in between. Yeah, I was I was getting him confused with Mike Hughes. Another guy who had very different off-field things, but he was in Kansas City last year, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. Right, and 24, Dallas, your pick. Yep, go on Traylon Burks, wide receiver. Dallas need a starting guard and they need a receiver to replace Amari Cooper. They're the two big needs for them this year. Um, both the top guard prospects have gone on my board. So I go with the top wide receiver prospect I've got on my board, Burks. Big outside presence there who's going to hopefully replicate some of the work that Amari Cooper was able to do. Um, I'd, I'd rather Burks go somewhere else, anywhere else but the Cowboys. But, you know, that just for me, scheme fit. There's no guard there, so they go receiver. Anthony, you wasn't lying when you said you had a lot of damn receivers. You're not joking. I mean, holy smokes. The thing That's is, a lot. A, lot of, a lot of teams have two picks in the first round this year, and I've said that I believe that allows to give them a bit more free reign to go after receiver early. I, I, I do. And I think some teams genuinely need one as well. So, yeah, I've got about eight. So I'm just going to take the opportunity yeah. to say, Fuck the Cowboys. Um, they, however, <laughs> they pick for me an, a wide receiver. I'm alongside the, the same thinking as as Ant, but Chris Olave has fallen all the way to 24, and they can't resist him. I've still got Burks on my board, but I do prefer Olave as the kind of just the absolute polished route runner that he is. And they've still got Lamb. They've still got Gallup. I think that Olave actually kind of really rounds off that group very, very well. And and James Washington's there too. I think it's a really underrated wide receiver. So, you know, from from perhaps having not very much to having a very, very good group again, Dallas. Uh, we have Ryan then taking Charles Cross, falling all the way to 24 for Dallas. Tom, you've also gone tackle. Yeah, I mean, Charles Cross would be a slam dunk. Um, I love the Traylon Burks pick as well. Uh, he is technically on my imaginary board here, so would have liked that one. But so we don't take the same pick every time. I, I've gone uh, I've gone for Ryman, uh, the Austrian avalanche himself. It, it's really just uh, they, need a, they need a tackle. They need to invest in that line again. He is the guy that is the tackle that is still left on the, on the board. So, um, yeah. Sorry, just trying to converse with our guys in the chat. Uh, Micro Mike's talking about Devon Lloyd falling to 32, which would be wonderful, wonderful stuff. But anyway, uh, Luke, you are rounding us off at 24 for Dallas. All right. So, again, 
because they they fall they fell in love with Michael Gallup and they brought him back and they and they're definitely in love with C.D. Lamb and they brought in James Washington to kind of help out as an outside slash inside slot guy. I think they stay away from receiver. Uh, the biggest problem for the Dallas Cowboys and has been the biggest problem for years and they have tried everything. Everything under the sun to fill this position and have yet to do it is safety. And at this point, this is where I think seeing Lewis comes off the board. I think they're going to look at this guy and say, you know what? I, I just can't take it no more where we're not getting safeties who have speed and the ability to cover this field. I think they go safety to the spot and take seeing Lewis um, to to fix that safety spot. I, I just I'm not in love with what they have as safety and I know that they need safety big time. Yeah, I like that. Lewis seen from Georgia. Really, really good fit, actually, I think, for Dallas. So, good stuff. And kicking us off them at 25 for Buffalo, Luke. All right, so Buffalo is another one of those teams that I just looked at. And based on what they have and, and how I think they're going to play it, I, I just feel so bad for that quarterback who has such a big arm because he has all this big arm and he got basically a target, which is Stephon Diggs. And I think they go receiver here. I think they give him a running mate. And so at that point, I basically have them selecting. And again, I'm probably going to get yelled at, but it's okay. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. I have them taking George Pickens, wide receiver from Georgia. Yeah. No, I like here. That's good. Sensible. There we go. George Pickens. Why, why receiver one potential in this class just injured, isn't he? So, but he can do it all. Yes, yeah, well. he, he played the last half dozen games. He was injured for a long time, but he finished the season playing. I, I just think, like, even on my imaginary board, I got Chris Olave here. I'm just, I don't think they're, I don't think too many teams are sold on Chris Olave. I think he's a fast guy. It's great. But you got a receiver with a big arm and a guy that's six foot three that can run a four four. Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're looking at the chats that they're having this guy here and trying to get another big target so he can throw the ball up there to him. So that's kind of my way of thinking of it. But again, I know I'm going to get yelled at for it. I just think that's no, the, the process. No. Receivers to pick. pick. Pickens is a top three receiver in this class if he's not injured last year. So that's fantastic True. value for them. I, I just think the injury has downplayed his stock and so many other guys are there, but he's a stud and he will be at the next level. He's healthy. Someone's going to get great value. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yes. I, I don't see wide receiver as big a need. I don't actually know what I picked, so I can't remember. But Gabriel Davis came on so huge last season for them. That and they've I, got Jamison Crowder, and as, Crowder well as well. And then Isaiah McKenzie, I quite like too. But, All yeah. little guys, though. All little guys. And, and you saw what happened when they got to the playoffs. He was going through hell trying to squeeze the ball in there to those little guys. Yeah. Right. Tom, your pick. Yeah, we kind of touched on it there a little bit. Like the, the Bills, it's hard to drop people in because they're pretty well-rounded. They don't really have many weaknesses. I mean, they've got Von Miller just come in. That's that's the kind of level they're at in terms of bringing in guys that they think can, can take them to the next level. So um, further investment in the offensive line for me, obviously with Allen there. So I've got them taking Zion Johnson. Um, their guards are fine, but I think Zion Johnson will be a clear upgrade. Obviously can play some center as well at a push, but... Uh, really just investing in in that front five ahead of ahead of Josh Allen. All right. We've got Ryan, who's going for Bernard Ryman. One of the lowest places we've seen him taken. It's an interesting spelling of that. I didn't actually <laughs> pick that up. Never mind. But we'll move on. Um, 
And I have picked Traylon Burks for Buffalo. For me, and Ash has made this point in the chat before I could even get there, when it comes to wide receiver, I listed off their wide receivers and I'm pretty happy with where they're at. But they just cut their starter in the slot. Cole Beasley is no longer there. And that opens up a massive gap. Now, Burks has inside-outside versatility, but did most of his damage from the inside at Arkansas, despite being this bigger, faster guy. And I think, actually, you know what? You could play him on the outside, or you could just play him where he's been in college and been really, really successful. So you take out Cole's, Cole Beasley, who's a kind of smaller, shiftier sort of guy, and they put in Burks, who's got this big play threat from the slot in a, in a position of need for them, one of the few positions I do see that they need someone. So... I have gone for, oh, I mean, I, I hate this fit because I think it really does make the Bills so, so much better than they are at this point. Ah. Yeah, so I've gone completely different here. Um, there was one reason that the Bills lost the championship game against the Chiefs, the championship game, the playoff game against Chiefs. That was they got thrown on. They got thrown on so badly in that game. They gave up a lot in the secondary. Couldn't keep the Chiefs out when it came to overtime. They need a starting corner opposite Tredavious White. There's nothing there after Tredavious White corner. The safeties are locked up. Tredavious White is a heck of a player, but they need another corner. And if they're not going to repeat what happened last year, they need someone who's going to lock down the other side for them. So I've got Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback. I believe that when healthy, he is a lockdown outside corner who's going to give them what they didn't have last year. There's no depth there. They need a starter. He's going to be able to plug and play right away. And the Bills are going to be able to patch up one of the biggest issues they had last year. I know they need receiver, but there's receiver depth in this class. I can see them going later. They really need to invest in a corner. So I'm taking them first with one. Mm -hmm. Right. Home stretch now. Tennessee at 26. And you're kicking us off. Um, yeah, so I've traded again. Um, I have traded, and this might be a controversial one, but Tennessee only have two picks in the top 100. They're shorn of draft picks this year. I think their other one is in the 90s. I think they're going to be trying to shop this pick for whatever they can. And there's been no run on quarterback so far in my draft. I've only sent Malik Willis away. Some teams who are sitting on the periphery of the second round going, huh, maybe I could trade up. It's not going to cost me a lot because I don't think the I don't think the uh, Titans are going to be able to ask a lot to go at this point, but I think they'd like a couple of day two picks. I think the Giants are going to come back up and I've got them picking in the Titans spot instead. And yes, earlier they picked a tackle to protect Daniel Jones, but at the same time, they're going to remind Daniel Jones that he's on short leash at the Giants and they're going to take a quarterback to sit in behind him and push him and possibly supplant him when the time comes, because they're really going to need to burn them there. So I've got the Giants coming up and taking Desmond Ritter. I think as the second best quarterback in the draft for me, I like the fit there with him. I think he can sit just a little while like he needs to, refine his game, learn, learn what he needs to to succeed in New York. And if Daniel Jones fails, then that's it for him. They've not picked up the fifth-year option. I don't think it's there. I think they will give him an opportunity under the guise of giving him one, but I think the decision's already been made. So I can see them coming back up and getting quarterback because no one's gone. I think it will pique their interest too much and I think they'll get good value to come back up for it and Tennessee get the picks that they need in this draft because they need a few more to load up on here. 
Just a question from Ash, because I must have glazed over when you said it. Are you going Elam at 25 for Buffalo, or are you going Andrew Booth? Because but Andrew said, Booth. Okay, Booth. I'm changing what you put in the thing there. Uh, did I put 20? Oh. I have changed it. If you're okay. happy with that. Yeah, my bad. I have. Nope. I, I, That's Booth cool. is in my notebook here, so yeah. You, oh, I think I moved them. I was moving everyone around. I had Tennessee taking a corner as well, and I think I moved them around. Yeah. Sorry, on me. you know what Ash is like with the receipts, so I just don't want it to be wrong at this no. point. No, that's fine. All right. My pick for Tennessee at 26 is, unfortunately for me, Devin Lloyd. So I'm having a look at what Buffalo have on their entire roster, and I think it's one of the most well-rounded um, Tennessee, yeah, most well-rounded rosters out there. I have a look at that secondary, and I see um, Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer, Michael Hyde. You have a look at some of the other players they've got there, and Tremaine Edmonds and Von Miller and Matt Milano and Shaq Wilson. But I have a look at some of these guys, and I think, actually, long-term, I'm not sure you can afford to pay all of these guys. And Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds... I think one of them is going to fall in the next few years, and I can see Devon Lloyd picking up either one of those roles. So I think that Lloyd is kind of the most versatile linebacker in this draft. I think he can fill a multitude of roles, including playing a little bit on the edge, although maybe not so much. I think that he can be weak side and Mike, and so he's going to slot in very well there and allow them to kind of rotate in and allow everyone to kind of play 70% of the snaps rather than forcing Milano and Edmonds to play most of the snaps in the game. I think it keeps their defense fresh and makes the strength even stronger. Right, we're going with Ryan's pick now, and he is going for George Pickens. Another pick for him in this first round for Tennessee. That is one of their bigger needs, I know. So why have I just lifted off the Bills fucking depth chart? I'm so sorry. Ah, why have I said that? Okay, hang on. I thought Matt Milano was a bill. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I saw Milano and I was like, that makes sense. No, sorry. Still makes sense for the Titans, though. (laughs) Excuse me for being an amateur and trying to do everything at once. So, let me do that again. Uh, So, you've got Bud Dupree as the kind of edge linebacker guy. You've got Zach Cunningham, David Long, Harold Landry. Uh, Like, it's fine. But actually, I think you can improve there. It's okay, but Devin Lloyd can be one of the best linebackers in this draft for the reasons I just selected. And please excuse me for my brain fart. Right, Pickens for Ryan. Tom. Uh, so I have been taking Tyler Linderbaum, um, who obviously was getting a lot of top 10 bars earlier in the process, but um, love the fit here. They have uh, Ben Jones, I want to say, but they've had, they've got an aging center. Um, and if we think about what the Titans want to do, they want to run the ball and they want to create gaps for, for uh, Derek Henry. So um, I don't know their two guards. He could probably play one of those as well if Ben Jones is still able to play. But I just think you, you lock that guy in as your, your pivot for the future. I'm just putting many, many emojis of the Sheila Ford Hamp face palm for how I'm feeling right now. Anyway... <laughs> Luke, I was going to say it's not that bad a pick we, we do it it's not that bad a pick <laughs> Tyler Linderbaum makes complete sense um, Luke you're finishing us off for Tennessee 
Yeah, I mean, everyone is, is getting B grade so far what they're doing. And, and since I, I've noticed that Mike has made it very clear that whoever drafts Bill Goldberg is an A. I'm taking Bill Goldberg here for the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> um, I see the spirit coming 100% of the times and the jackhammer just being all the more uh, dangerous. No, seriously, I, I, I think that if you just look at what they attempted to do the previous year with trading for Julio Jones and hoping that he can be something special for him and realizing that they wasn't going to get much. I think they go in a totally different direction here, but still stay at the receiver spot. I think they take Jamison Williams, receiver out of Alabama. Uh, I think Tennessee is looking to to still get a, a complimentary outside of A.J. Brown. I mean, the only thing I hate about that pick is that Williams has fallen so far on your board. Love the pick for the Titans. I think that fits. Well, you know, I mean, well. the, the injury the injury will set you back. <laughs> <laughs> It will, and it, he lands in a great spot and a team waiting to compete. Tampa Bay, you're kicking us off at 27. Um, so many of y'all may not know this, but I am a Lions fan, but I'm also a fan of the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. This is what I've always liked since I was a kid. Ironically, they're all in the NFC, so you can, I guess you could say I'm an NFC guy. I, I think that this is going to be the first pick that's going to throw a lot of people off because I think while the Buccaneers need a host of things, um, including – uh um cornerback i think they need receiver help i think they need a lot of things i'm going to go in a totally different direction here i think i think they go out and they take quarterback matt Correll. tom brady is too inconsistent with this i'm retired not retired crap kyle trask hasn't showed anything to tell me he's going to take the next step and after that you can just burn the rest of those quarterbacks to hell nobody cares about them so as far as i'm concerned i think they're going to say you know what we're here we got most of our pieces already back we added keneal new uh to be a strong safety for us um and we still got Antoine winfield so i think they they think they go quarterback here and take matt Correll. like that a lot I'm, I'm not sure they'll do it because i think they'll kind of bend over to brady but yeah, um, it's, a it's a theoretical. If you if you're looking for the future as well as now, then absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think just... I think with Brady though, with the fact of him saying he he retired, retiring yeah. and stuff like that, I think that's where the issue comes in play because now you're talking about a guy who has gone back and forth on this, and and they're going to say, hey, you're getting older, so we're going to start drafting the future. I and if 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 there's ever a person that I want to see what what Tom Brady's doing, it's Matt Correll. If you watched last week, if you listened to last week's pod, you know how I feel about Mac Brown. So I, I won't talk too much about that pick. But he's my quarterback six in this draft. So moving on. Tom, can you green? Yeah, another boring pick. This is a lull in the draft. This is when all us Brits are struggling to stay awake and picks like Kenyon Green don't really help. But uh, for the Bucks. Re not rebuilding their offensive line, but they've obviously had some guys uh, retire in the offseason. And whether you've got Brady back there, whether you've got Corral back there, whoever you've got back there, you need to keep them upright. So Kenyon Green, road grader in the run game, can create holes for playoff Lenny um, and also try and keep the quarterback upright. Uh, not so boring for Ryan, who's gone for Devontae Wyatt, which I think is a lovely pick. Tampa, although potentially unnecessary given how good that defense is. Um, Tampa, for me, go with the other guard, Zion Johnson. So he's fallen a little bit for me compared to where everyone else is, but I don't really understand why. I guess it's just as 
too many guys with first round grades for me in this draft and someone has to fall. Zion Johnson, one of the best players in the senior bowl and one of the best guards in this draft, if not the best guard in this draft. So I think they're going to be jumping for joy if he falls to 27 in Tampa here. Uh, Ant has turned his camera off, so I'm not sure if he's there. But he might not be there. That's fine. We, I will go around with my next pick, and then he can go back to back. So we'll go to Green Bay at 28. And I am going to annoy every Lions fan, especially every Lions fan who's here because of Luke G, because I'm taking Boye Maffe here for, for Green Bay. Um, <laughs> I know how much of a fan that Luke is of Boye Maffe and Ant and as well. But for me, Green Bay has, as we discussed before, kind of invested picks in that edge spot. But in Maffe, what they get is, is someone with terrifically high upside. He can come in and play now, but actually they're in need of a third edge. After, as Tom rightly said, um, Zadarius moved on. So alongside Preston and, um, oh, why is my memory leaving me? Rashawn Gary. I think that Maffe comes in and they're able to rotate those guys in. And, and Maffe kind of doesn't have to play every snap, which I think would be detriment to him. So I think this is like a kind of perfect landing spot for, for all concerned and, and something that I hate doing, really, as a Lions fan. Uh and Tampa at 27 for you. Um, yeah, so I've taken Jordan Davis. I believe this is one of the best fits in the draft there. They have an aging team at the minute, and Damakong Su is still a free agent. He's not coming back. They won a Super Bowl by having a front seven who were devastating, who just wrecked offensive lines. They chased Patrick Mahomes for over 500 yards in the Super Bowl. You know, that's, that is the essence of their defense. And even if Ndamukong Su comes back, they've got a lot of old players on that team and they need to start bringing in some succession plans eventually for it. The great part is you can play them together. If he's as devastating and an athletic guy as he is, he's going to learn off one of the best in the business. They're going to have an immediate impact player who is going to be a long-term replacement for Sue. I like the fit. I just think they need to really re-go at that front seven again. And Davis has slipped here, so it makes all the sense in the world for them. Good luck trying to run on Vita Vea and Jordan Davis. Exactly. Exactly. And like I say, even if Sue comes back, you know, you've got the perfect mentor for him. And yeah. it just makes for me a lot of the sense, especially when with Sue not there now, they need a replacement for him and he would be the guy. Now, and You've done the other thing that I feed, so I've already gone ahead and taken Maffe for Green Bay, but you've taken the other one I wanted to take here, or I say wanted to, hated thinking about it. Christian Watson, wide receiver. I know I said they wouldn't do it, but in my mock, a lot of the receivers have gone and they panic. You know, a lot of the maybe guys who are ready to play straight away have gone. So they'll take the best development guy who is left. I love Christian Watson. Outside threat. Got so much upside to his game here. And he's going to give them a threat that, you know, they don't have now that Devontae Adams has gone. MVS has gone. The speed guy on the outside. So you've got Lazard in there. You know, you, you, need, you need something different at receiver. And he gives them that. I don't want them to pick here either. But I think. They've gone defense. They've done what they usually do in the first round with the first pick. And that's why I've got so many receivers going in the second round. These second picks, some teams can afford to when they usually wouldn't. So they get Watson. 
All right, I've done mine already. So Ryan takes Lewis Seen here, and Tom. It's more bad news. Uh, more uh, bad news. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks fell all this way. Um, and on my mock, the Packers walk away with Carl Aftis and Burks as their two picks in the 20s. <laughs> which is sickening. Uh, but for all the reasons Luke mentioned earlier, the fit is clear. Um, I think he, even when we were chatting earlier, I said he was the other guy I was thinking of, and just as it, as it happened, he was still there. So, yeah, Burks, it is disaster. Luke, finish us off at 28. Jesus. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I came into this... I came into this thinking like I wasn't going to go this route, but the more I think about it, the more this makes sense. The fact that they they have moved on from Zadarius Smith, and I know Preston Smith is going to go stay in his spot. I know that um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Sean Gary is going to stay in his spot. I think they go linebacker here, and I think they select Nicobe Dean. I feel like Nicobe Dean. With Devondre Campbell, a little bit of Ty Summers, I, he's already been playing in the three four. I, I think they take Nicobe Dean here. I think they've they've already addressed their receiver, and now they're they're back at it with the uh, the the uh, guy which, which sucks ass, but it's Nicobe Dean. It's Nicobe Dean. That, I'm that that's a horrible run of picks. Yeah, I, it's, it's, any of those are oh, awful as a Lions fan. Like I say, we've got to be the best, but. I would be one step below head and hands if any of those guys got taken by the backers. <laughs> right. Final four picks. And Luke, you're starting us off for Kansas City back-to-back, 29. Uh, I'm really big on patterns. And so I noticed that most of the the, the uh, cornerbacks and DBs on Kansas City are very versatile. They can play corner or defensive back. And for that reason... I'm going to go to Michigan. That's right. I'm going Daxton Hill. Uh, I think that he fits what they want to do. Um, a little disgusted, but it is what it is. I think they go Dax Hill right here. Daxton Hill drafted. All right. Just type that in. Love that pick. Tom. Um, if you think about the Chiefs last year, they obviously, they've always prioritized speed. Um, offense and defense and last year they tried Chris Jones out on the edge and it just didn't really work because Chris Jones is a fantastic player but didn't really get it going on the edge so I see them going after an edge guy moving Chris Jones back inside and I've gone taking Boye Mafe it hurts and don't don't tell me yes Tom yes <laughs> I mean he's, he's, he's killing us left to right Tom clearly does not care about us he's just like you know what I'm a Lions fan but hey I'm winning this alcoholic beverage <laughs> we'll be joint winning it at this rate <laughs> Trent McDuffie for Ryan falls to KC at 29 obvious need at cornerback KC obvious fit as well I think for their scheme um, for myself I am going for Jahan Dotson. So he went at 16 to New Orleans for Luke, but falls to 29 here. And it's, I think, the only other appearance we have for him so far. Undersized guy, speedy. Casey actually don't have a wealth of talent, a uh, uh, wide receiver. They have, 
obviously have just invested in Marquez Valdez Scantling, but Miko Hardman seems to threaten to leave every offseason, and I don't rely on him long term. Josh Gordon is still there, but is he going to do anything? Corey Coleman's come back to try and play in the NFL again, but yeah, that's not going to work. Cornell Powell could maybe do something, but I Juju Smith-Schuster is a, a flash-in-the-pan one-year guy for them. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been brought in on a deal that he just doesn't deserve from his production point. They need they need someone else. They just need someone else at wide receiver to make the most of Patrick Mahomes. So Dotson is the guy for me here. Lots of wide receivers off my board already, and he is the next best one remaining. And I take it you've gone for Boye Mafé. Well, I'll just put my two in here because the Chiefs are 29 and 30 and we snake him round. So, yeah, they've got two big issues. One, they need an edge rusher to pair with Frank Clark because they don't have one. Two, they need a wide receiver because, you know, they're really, really low on depth there. So I've got them taking Boye Mafe first, you know, for I agree with Tom. You know, he's he's got such high developmental upside. He's got an ever-burning motor, more so than some of the guys at the top of this draft. The only thing he needs is consistency when it comes to his game. And if he does... He's going to be an absolute game changer. And, you know, Chiefs like turning over the ball. Boy, Mafe, every time you see him going for a sack, he's trying to get them turnovers, trying to punch the ball out. Always that's what he's trying to do. I just think he fits the system they have there. So, Boy, Mafe at 29. And then at 30, they're back to back. George Pickens is the pick for me at wide receiver. You know, they have a lot of flash and pizzazz at their wide receiver positions like Tyreek Hill, McCall Hartman, a lot of speeds, a lot of razzmatazz. What they don't have is a lot of aggression when it comes to their guys. George Pickens is aggressive when it comes to playing the game. He will get up in the face of DBs. He will play hard. And I think that's just something they need there as well as being the outside threat, the tall guy. You know, I just think he gives Kansas something that they've lacked in the wide receiver department for a while. So, you know, those are the two picks. Boy, in my fate, George Pickens, solves two big needs for him. Mahomes to uh, Mahomes to Pickens, there would be a hell of a lot of circus catches as well. Yeah, yeah, there would be. Yeah, definitely there would be. Um, I'm moving on and kind of similar to what Luke was saying. I've also gone for Daxton Hill here and I'm not going to add any more to that really. Just good fit, position in need, best player available. Ryan has gone for Christian Watson, so I guess similar thinking with the wide receivers speak from what I was saying before, but they've taken the the Raz guy up there. Uh, Tom, you've gone for? Daxton Hill. Um, again, we, we talked about that. I won't labor the point. They've lost Tyron Matthew, but Daxton Hill is probably the most flexible of the three guys at this kind of spot, and therefore I think is a more natural replacement for Matthew. Well, he's a true, and I mean a true slot corner. I, I just think they like that versatility, but if you just had to play him full-time at safety, you're going to be upset. But that's how when Matthew came out, they had they ranked him as a cornerback, right? As in they had him basically as a slot corner. Um, and so I see Hill having almost that similar. He can probably play a little bit back, but yeah, you probably want to run him up in the slot and see how he does there. But I think he does have a bit of versatility. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say you finish us off, but... Oh, okay. All right, so obviously Kansas City has already gotten their 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 portable guy. I know a lot of people are going to say that they believe it's going to be Boye Mafe, but I do not. I do not think it's going to be Boye Mafe. In fact, I think they go a different direction in this, in this, and I think they say, you know what? 
We didn't think he would be there. I think they go Jermaine Johnson here. Still on the board. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I think they go Jermaine Johnson here. They they look at him and they and they feel like they're getting an opportunity to re repeat history. Well, with what they already had in uh, Justin Houston in the way, but just a guy with a little bit more speed and range. I think they I think they go in that direction. I think Boye Mafe is still a good pick for them, but I just think that their edge rusher because they can't believe he's still there. Jermaine Johnson. All right, I I hate and love that. Uh, Luke, starting us off at 31, two to go. Cincinnati. Right to the right to the point. Cincinnati has had fun. They've they've enjoyed the lux of it. They went out and added now Collins, which to me is like okay, uh, <laughs> like no big deal. However, I think that they're going to go and continue to build that offensive line because they need prayer. And after seeing what that quarterback went through, I think they take the office of guard, uh, Kenyon Green, out of Texas A and M. Need to find him. There he is, Kenyon Green, in the books. All right, final stretch, Tom. Thirty-one, Cincinnati. Yeah, um, like Kenyon Green is an idea. I, I wanted to go in a different direction with the Bengals because obviously I imagine there's going to be other picks of offensive line as well. And again, I was like, let's let's create some chaos. So I've got Arnold Evichetti. I could see them. Uh, he's a guy who is sometimes kind of thrown into the back end of the first round. Super athletic guy out of Penn State. Think away from last year. And I think the Bengals looked across at what the Ravens did, took him and said, I want a piece of that. So they've got a uh, similar star player in Ebiketti. Ryan, like Ebiketti and Hendrickson would be pure chaos. Love it. Kenyon Green also goes for Ryan to Cincinnati. I also go Kenyon Green to Cincinnati. And Ant finishes off for Cincinnati 31. So, yeah, I don't know how he falls this far, but Tyler Linderbaum is here and he is the pick. They need a center like crazy. Ted Karras is currently penciled in to be their starting center. He's the guard they've brought in from New England. You want to kick him out to guard because, you know, you've got Jackson Carmen out there who was the third worst guard in the NFL last year. You don't want him as a starter. You need to develop him more. And if Tyler Linderbaum falls, I think they get their thoroughbred center. He's the best one in the draft by a long way. The only reason I have him so far down here, I don't see the versatility to kick him out to guard. He's not a guard. I think he's just a pure thoroughbred center. And that'll limit the teams that will be interested in him. If it's not Carolina or the Falcons early, if they're not going to repair their offensive lines with him and it's not the Ravens, I think this is the next real pressure point for him. And I love the pick here. I think he's, they need a center badly. I like that team. I like what they've done. They just need to fix the bits on those lines. They get Karras and Lenderbaum in there then. They're set. Super Cyan Lions has just said, I want to say I'm disgusted with all of your picks because most of the players I want are going to other teams and not to the Lions. And all I can say to you, <laughs> all I can say to you is that the Lions have two picks in this first round and everyone else has the other 30. So it's gonna happen and, and you're gonna be destroyed on draft day, and I, I can only apologize in advance. But it's not my fault either. And this is the moment we've been waiting for. It's potentially more more interesting than pick two for the Lions. Who have you gone for? for our final pick for the Detroit Lions at number 32. Juan Brisker, safety, Penn State. If I miss out on Kyle Hamilton, I want the next best safety in the draft. I don't think another one is going to go in the first round, not because they're not good, 
just because of what teams need and the value there. I think he's going to slip to us. He's Kyle Hamilton lie, is what I say. Kyle Hamilton does everything to an elite, elite level. Jaquan Brisker does everything to a very damn high level and could potentially be in the same mold as you go there. I love Penn State defenders. You know, they just bring out so many great guys. You know, linebacker on the D-line, they just they know how to make NFL caliber defenders. And we need safety, something chronic. He's the second best safety in the draft by a long long way. I'm putting him way above Dax Hill and others for me and Jalen Petra and that. I think he's on a pedestal on his own as the second guy. We need him. Easy pick for me. I don't even think twice. For me, and I can't believe this guy's fallen all the way to 32, but he has the Detroit Lions at 32 select Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle from Georgia. For me, he is quality of perhaps a top 10 pick in this draft. And I just, for some reason, find other players going ahead of him, but no real reason for doing so. Wyatt, for me, is the best interior defensive lineman in the draft. I see a need for the Lions at defensive tackle, as, as hard as that is to say, because we took two last year. Um, Aline McNeil's the starter, and I think he's going to be one of the premier interior defensive linemen in the NFL in the next few years. But alongside him, it's, it's hard. you know. So Brockers is not a long-term piece and arguably is potentially better outside than he is in, but will probably play in for the Lions. And one more year and he'll be cut. I do not see him playing out the third year of the deal. Levi, he's putting the work in and that's admirable. He wasn't great last year, and he was injured, and that sh- it should not be a knock on him. But what I don't want to do to Levi is put so much pressure on him to have to perform as the starter that he he just folds under it. So in taking Wyatt, I'm hoping that between Aleem and Wyatt and Levi, you're going to have three players that can rotate and, and bring the best out of each other. Wyatt's the best pass rusher from the interior in this draft. And actually, pass rush is really what we need from that spot. He comes in and makes everything easier for the edge guys that we've got. So with Thibodeau coming in, but we've also got the uh, Aquara brothers out there and Harris. Wyatt might take double teams. And that's going to give these edge guys a lot more time to get home. An easier route home. So, easier pick for me, rather than Brisker. I did think about Brisker here, though, I have to admit. I can dig a DT. Me and, me and Ghost Gunner are the Luke G branch of the Travis Jones fan club that we'd take at 34. Because <laughs> I'm different. I think we need a run stuffer with a lean in the middle. But, Fair. Um, I, I can't argue with that. But, I, I think, but, but, I think but we are the so Travis good. Jones fan club. <laughs> I think that White also brings the run defense aspect. Not quite as good as Travis Jones, but I think he's good enough for that. Um, Brisker also goes with Ryan at 32 to the Lions. Tom? Yeah, so still two quarterbacks left on the board. There's Marida, Matt Corral. We're not going in that direction, don't worry. <laughs> we've got on my board Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson, both on the board still. We're not going in that direction either. There is still a linebacker from Georgia who is not Quay Walker, but Nakobe Dean isn't coming to Detroit either. Wow. Two safeties left. We talked about one of them just now. The other guy, Lewis Seen from Georgia as well. They're both there staring the Lions in the face. 
And Brad Holmes says, no, I'm not interested. He's going to upset every Lions fan. He's going to take a cornerback. He's going to take... Luke, you're going to kill me for this, man. He's going to take Andrew Booth. No, no. Absolutely no. I'm not even I'm not even judging you for it. I'm just you know what? I'm not even gonna judge you for it. I'm just gonna pray about it for you. That's what I'm gonna do. There's no way. There's no way. So here with firstly, brief rationale. I do think the Lions could do with upgrading at corner. And I think Booth is a better player than 32. So I think the value is there. Um, but I've almost grown a little frustrated because we talk so much about the number two pick getting a bit monotonous. We're seeing the same names again and again. I'm almost seeing the same names more so for 32 and 34 and the same players again and again. And I just don't expect it's going to be as simple as we draft the highest ranked receiver and safety or or whatever, whatever. Brisker is the guy I would love here. He's the guy that I would want us to draft. But the things in the draft never work out the way that we want, the way that we're expecting, especially when you get outside the top 10. So um, I know fans would riot. I'm not advocating it. When I did a breakdown of Booth, who I do like as a player, I said he wouldn't be top on my list for 32 or 34. But I have the last taking. I just want to say that after the way me and Tom have drafted similarly today, that his draft opinion is fantastic and I fully endorse this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I... I um... <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to judge him. I'm just not going. You know, my mom always said, if you don't have anything like to say, just don't say nothing at all. And right now, when he gave us that cornerback, I like the I'm like, I lost all faith. I'm like, no, there's no way. They, they just drafted. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Melifon. They just drafted him. They, they're giving Okuda a chance to come back. They've added uh, Hughes and you're going to go out and go draft me another Hughes. Yeah, I'm good. Micro Mike is bringing back uh, another wrestling saying by saying just what. Right, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I did it slightly intentionally, but it is more, I think we are so tunnel visioned in to 32 and 34 being safety and receiver or linebacker and safety or linebacker and receiver. And I just don't think it's going to happen because it's so rare that picks at this stage in the draft go the way we're expecting it. I'm just not expecting us to pick purely by need. So no, I would not take Andrew Booth. No, I won't be mega upset if we do it. But I, I think it's just a um, a warning, especially with the receivers. We've seen so many receivers go in all of our mocks so far. I think, and I've mentioned it in the chat earlier, I think the Lions fans have got to get used to not seeing a receiver until the third round or maybe later because we've only got three picks in those first two rounds, which is still great. And I see a lot of these top-tier receivers going off before 32. And actually then, like, Pickens, yes. Watson, yes. Dotson, I think, could be there. Yes, they're really nice players. I just don't necessarily think the Lions are going to have them top of the board. And rather than, in their idea, reach on a receiver based on their board, I think they could go in different directions based on best player available. Okay. Right, Luke, you have the honour of the final pick of this mock draft. Number 32 for the Detroit Lions, and they select... That's my uh, little (laughs) chime in for a trade. The Detroit Lions have traded the 32nd overall pick to the Seattle Seahawks for two second-round picks in this year's draft and a second-round pick in next year's draft. And at 32, the Seattle Seahawks select quarterback Sam Howe. I think Detroit is looking at this draft, looking at the number of people who are still available from the senior bowl that they've had close eyes on and that they've met with on pro days. And I think they feel that, Hey, with an additional 
uh, some additional second round picks. We got room to maneuver. We got pick 34, which is not too far from 32. So it's not like we're losing anything there. And then on top of that, you get those two back-to-back second round picks, which help aid you in the, in the uh, adding more and more talent. And then you get a second round pick in next year's draft. Uh, I, I just, at this point, I didn't give no trade earlier and I've decided to do it here. I feel this will make the most sense for Detroit to say, hey, it's only one spot ahead of us. And chances is they're not taking many of the people we want. Uh, Boye Mafe is still on the board. Uh, Brandon Smith still on the board. Pretty much damn near everybody is still on the board, including Jalen Petrie. So they have options galore. Uh, so I got the Detroit Lions trading that pick to Seattle and Seattle selecting Sam Howell. Oh, shocker. Would love that. I love, I love Sam, but I don't like Seattle. So I'd hate the fit, but. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love Sam Howell, so if he gets drafted first round, I ain't gonna say no to that. I, I just love if that we value. did it, I still wouldn't say no. Yeah, if we did it at 34, I would not be upset as much as it would pay me to say. I would I mean for the Lions, as in the Lions getting effectively three second round picks for that. I would be oh yeah, take that deal. It's like 40 and 41, I think, are the two picks, right? And then a second yep, next the, year. the two the two picks that you would get is 40 and 41. Yeah. Uh, and then next year, whatever that second is going to end up being. But you would essentially have – you would have 34, 40, and 41. They get their quarterback of the future. They get their tackle of the future. And the Lions get their pick uh, to go out and add anybody they want. They want to add a uh, – they want to add two pass rushers. They could. They want to add a deep tackle. They could. They want to add a cornerback. They could. You would have uh, the plethora of picks right there that would still put you with three picks in the second, two in the third. Uh, right there, that's five picks total with your one pick being Kyle Hamilton. I think it makes the most sense. It gives them more draft capital. And again, most of the people that they were looking at from that that senior bowl is still there. Just saying. Someone's just asked if we're going down to 34, which I guess kind of would make some sort of sense, but it's only a first-round bet that we're doing. So I, I we're not right. going all the way to 31. Um, but maybe – so. I did ask some questions on the top, but we've obviously taken a very long time to, to get all of this done. So I'm not going to do that. We're going to roll that over to our talk next week when we do a seven round mock lions only next week. So if you have asked them to us on the college pod. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they can be answered on the college pod. Because I'm running out of material for that. So. All right. Well, they'll roll over to Wednesday then. So don't forget to tune in for that pod. Um, the only thing to do, really, I guess, is just to have a look back at each of our drafts and just kind of maybe have some takeaways, perhaps, if there's any in there, some kind of most surprising picks in there or someone that's been left out that you kind of think is a bit surprising. Are there any kind of high-level things that you kind of are seeing from, from these guys? Um... So if I, if I kick off from with, with a couple... I saw when I was doing Luke's live that um, I think Devontae Wyatt is still on the board and there was someone else still on the board that was really, really high ranking. For me, it's yeah. for me, it's is my face still on the board. You still got opportunity for for linebackers with Chad Muma and a and a host of other people realistically. You still got Tinder on the board. You got so many options. You got you got Trayvon and, Walker still on the board. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh I, I think I think that any team who buys into the hype is a sucker and, and suckers deserve to be licked. And so at that point, uh, I hope we're not that sucker uh, that's being licked in, at the Lions. I, I do not see how he's shot up boards. I do not. The production should be there with what was around him. If you go through and you look at even past draft prospects, I mean, uh, Chase Young had uh, great talent around him in, in, in the front seven and he performed. 
Uh, Okuda looked at a whole lot better because of the front seven and performed. Um, even though I thought they just didn't call as much stuff, but still, um, just, just, I just don't see it. Anyone else with some high level takeaways? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not confident at all. I know we've just spent like hours doing this, but I listened to a lot of the arguments in here and it's just like, yeah, could probably could have gone. Also, but I, I, I like how I've been thinking similarly with Tom here. We've, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of similar thoughts on this. So I'm intrigued. We're either going to be sharing the drinks or buying a lot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, to be honest, you, you know, you do evaluation of players better than any of us. So I'm kind of glad that I'm on your track. I'm just like, right, at least, you know, the, the guy who does it like a pro, I think he agrees with me a little bit. So. We've got Ash doing a, a ranking of our mock drafts. And if you're in the either YouTube or Twitch chats and you want to rank our drafts, then please do so from worst to first. If Just before and... you do this, just, just in case he has put me first, I'll say something nice about Jordan Travis. If he hasn't, <laughs> then I won't. <laughs> well, he had his opportunity. He's, he's I mean, already are, you, are you bribing me? Yeah, what was it? What was yeah, it? What what is was it? I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, what, what is it? If it is. I'm not saying if it is. Am I uh, top? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. Am I lost? Oh, well, that sucks for you, Ash. You should have believed in me and I'd have said something nice about George <laughs> Travis. Your <laughs> loss. So, worst of first, in last place, he has Tom Wilkinson. He was, <laughs> oh, was going well and then ruined it with the Andrew Booth pick. Do better next time, Lol. Valid. Give <laughs> <laughs> a LeBron James quote. <laughs> he said, Ant in third place should have just let the Panthers be stupid rather than actually being clever. Third place. Matt, all you said is, it's good. Thanks, man. Number one, Luke. Hammy, that is all. Hey, so, appreciate it. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Carl Hamilton bags Luke the, the top mock draft there. Um, got Someone's other... going to take him as a BPA when they should be drafting for position. That's all I'm going to say there. He ain't going to drop to the mid. He ain't going to drop to 15 or something. I think someone's going to be stupid and draft him over a genuine need. And, and they will so, be right to do so. So when you're saying that we're doing this mock draft based on as accurate as possible, you're saying he's not falling to 15, which is where you've picked him. Yeah. I mean, but I'm thinking of team needs. I did a lot on team needs. I'm trying to win. But there are players, there are teams who will pick best player available even though it doesn't make sense in some cases. And someone will take the plunge on Hamilton. I hope it's us. But if it's not, someone else will. Maybe the Jets, maybe the Giants, someone might do that. But... Super Sion Lions is giving Tom Wilkinson a B for getting Trayvon Walker and Andrew Booth. Um, thank you to everyone for, for watching us for so long, if you are indeed still here. And I know that there's a... A lot of you still here, so thank you very much for that. Just to round off this pod, next episode's going to be on the main pod, Monday the 18th of April, which is our final, I think, if if Antle can correct me, if not, but I think we've scrapped the one on the Monday before the draft. So I think yeah. that next Monday is our final main draft, uh, main pod before the NFL draft. We're going to be doing a seven-round Lions-only mock draft, so we're not going to go through all the doldrums of every single pick but just picking our favorite players for the lions so do tune in for that we have got a very very special guest as well for that pod so you will want to check that out we'll reveal that later on in the week 
Royal the Lions College Football Podcast returning, as Ant has said, on Wednesday. He's looking for topics, so if you want us to talk about anything, just drop us a tweet and we'll get it on the bill. Yeah, me and Ryan are probably just going to come on a stream and just, just chat. There's going to be nothing to, nothing really towards it. We'll find we'll find something to talk about, maybe draft stuff, lines, seven-round stuff, just talk about players. So, yeah, come and, come and give us something to chat about. There it is. Um, don't forget our socials, Royal the Lions UK, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Get on that Discord channel. Go uh, back to our history in YouTube or Twitch and watch our our interviews with Eric Schlitt and with Ryan Matthews, they are awesome. Thanks to Luke for coming on the stream for the first time in what seems like a really long time. It's been yeah, awesome. you know, you add you know, so work, much man. to this, man. I love it. Work, work is a hard time. I mean, Tom, Tom tested my blood pressure today a few times. It was okay. <laughs> uh, Ryan, Ryan didn't really care if my if my insulin levels were good, but he tested that a few times. And then, you know, Anthony, we, we were hot at first, and then he just went, like, left. He traded every damn thing. And I was like, you know what? I see right now it's not going to be one of those connections. So, uh, and, and you, you did a phenomenal job of hosting everything and putting everything in, because if I had to type these people's names, let alone say many of them, I was in trouble. Uh, so kudos <laughs> to you. Cheers, man. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you. And we'll be on your stream again shortly as well, I'm sure. Um don't forget our website, royalbalanceuk.com. Draft articles coming out very shortly with that. And subscribe and rate us five stars and all that good stuff that you can do. But it's been a really long one. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on Wednesday for the College Pod and then on Monday for our final pod of this draft cycle. Can't wait for it. But for now, let's go Lions 1 Pride. Pride. Right.